You're listening to The Next Dimension. Dragon Ball Z presents Back to the Nightmare, Bobbidi's Revenge, and The Z-Sword. 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 Podcast, as you'll hear on other podcasts. My name is Donovan Morgan Grant, and as usual, I am joined by my friend Jesse Garrett. Hi, folks. Hello, and that was a that was a vague reference to uh, an upcoming episode of Clone Saga Chronicles, where host poor Zach gets the name wrong, and I readily uh, <laughs> I readily uh, uh, admonish for that. Although that being said, that's not the only podcast where the next mission has been mentioned. Um, and Jesse, I believe you know what I'm talking about. Now that I think about it, because uh, if you remember back to our Amazing Spider-Man 2 review, uh, we incorporated uh, Stella, she of Backward Oracle fame, and her latest episode, I forget what number it's on. Uh, 81 or 80? I think it's I think it's 81. Because I remember you commenting, I've, I've listened to episode 80, and that was like right before 81 came out. So it might be 81. It's the one where she reviews only two books instead of four, anyway. 81, subtitle. The betrayal. Yeah, don't listen to that. <laughs> she mentions uh, uh, the next submission, which is nice, and then she gets it completely wrong, like aggressively wrong, like <laughs> to the point where I lost my breath. Offensively wrong. Just, just utter, utterly betrayingly wrong. Uh, it, it makes me, it makes me want to create a Kathy Kane podcast. <laughs> That's vengeance. Although that being said, I will I will pimp her show because uh, as of this recording, and this episode should come out before uh, this Saturday. Um, this Saturday, uh, or at least Saturday, July the twelfth at two p.m. Eastern, she is hosting a Colin show to discuss uh, the Killing Joke. Um, That's something I will actually be participating in. So I would recommend everybody to call in to uh, her Skype. Her Skype account is. All one world in lowercase Batgirl two Oracle B A T G I R L yeah B A T G I R L T O O R A C L E. Um, you just call her in at, at, at two p.m. Eastern, and if you've read the Killing Joke, give your thoughts on that. Uh, I intend on doing it. I will be participating in that. Uh, I'm going to reread it. I haven't read the story in a while, so I want. I definitely want to get her thoughts on it. Um. I know by now that she really didn't like it, as we can expect, because it's actually, if you've read it and you realize that uh, as a Batgirl fan, it's, it's particularly gruesome. Um, I still need to reread it, although I have, I have done research upon the making of the, of the comic book. And I, I actually remember very much liking it, but I'm not read it in a while, so I just need to... Uh, honestly, after we get done with this episode, I'm going to pop it out and start doing my readings for that. But yes, I, cool stuff. everybody uh, call in. And you said you'll be participating in that? Yeah, she's having me on as a co-host to so basically keep her from committing suicide while she talks about the co- uh I kid, I kid, although she really she she really hates it. But we'll we'll, we'll discuss that Saturday. Um, and I've been putting promos on the Lipson page for us. So everybody just, you know, refer to that and uh, please call in. And um, if you can't make it and call in, you can always email her at backgirl.oracle at gmail.com. So hopefully everybody can participate. We can get a big show out of that. But now, that's enough comic book talk. This isn't the feedback episode anymore. Let's get back to Dragon Ball Z. 
I don't think there's any new news besides the announcement that uh, Battle of Gods, the dub version, is being played across theaters across uh, America on August 5th, 6th, 7th, and 9th. I believe that we've already said that last time. Um, I know that uh, my town has a, uh, a release schedule for it. Have you seen anything for Atlanta, Jesse? I've not. I've looked. Um, I wasn't able to find like an official source. But I've looked for in all the local theaters and all the big theaters in the city for anything about it and haven't haven't seen it. So I may resort to driving up to your town to see it. You know what? Absolutely. Feel free, dude. We're going to make a day of it. If, if, if Because Atlanta is not terribly far away from Nashville. It's, well, four hours. But, um, you know, if you can't get down there, come down here. We're going to have a big we, – we could do – hell, we could do a review live. It would be amazing. That would, that would be beautiful. This, this is a, and this may be the only chance to see a Dragon Ball film. In theaters. That's that's not live action. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Good. Well, hey. Okay. Um, all right. So I believe that's, that's all the prevalent news we have. So uh, I did want to touch on yeah. – I don't know how relevant it really is. Uh, the new video game coming out. Oh, yeah. Did you – Dragon Ball Z – I forget the title. Yes. Because they all kind of run similar. It's introducing a new character, apparently. I say that because I haven't yeah. seen all the series, but yeah, you seemed equally surprised by the news or by the the character. Yeah, no, no. Thank you for mentioning that. It's I completely forgot about. It. I'm a little scatterbrained right now, but um, yeah. You texted me this image, and I think I'll leave you send me the link to the trailer. Uh, is it is this Battle of Z or is this like Dragon Ball Xenoverse? Which one? Uh, uh, it's Xenoverse. Okay, yeah. Battle of Z I think came out already. Oh no, that, that was about yeah. Battle of Z came out. Battle uh, or uh, Xenoverse is the new new game for uh, the Xbox One, PS4, PS3, 360, all those. Uh, it's cel shaded like all the other games, but during the trailer, so it's the very end of it, they show a character with red spiky hair and a capsule corp jacket or a capsule corp symbol on him, and I believe he had a cape. Yeah, and yeah, they had a green scouter as well, which is weird. Yeah, so like especially since the scouter hasn't been used since you know the Saiyan saga. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not been relevant in years. <laughs> so I immediately got, got to wondering, you know, who this character was. Now, I haven't done any research to see what much, uh, you know, much more knowledgeable fans, mm-hmm. uh, their theories are, but I imagine they're kind of scratching their heads, too, because, yeah, you have the Capsule core tie-in. He's got short hair, kind of looks like Trunks. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm interested in seeing it, and... Uh, when we're on games, I did get a chance to play the demo of one of the games, mm-hmm. uh, Battle of Battle of Z, I believe, and it was a lot of fun. So I may get this game when it comes out. Was that your first uh, time playing any DBC game? It was my first time in a very, very long time. I believe I played a, a PlayStation game, like one of the original PlayStation games. Okay. Or maybe a PS2 game for maybe ten minutes, but but yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Just the the movement and the ability to play as Goku. It wasn't just a straight fighting game like a Mortal Kombat or something. Like you, they really yeah. got the motions correct. Yeah, you, you can like fly around. Lows. Oh really? Yeah, Krillin. Krillin's like your little teammate, and he's he's making comments about how strong Goku is, and Goku's just like, "Come on, Krillin, don't just stand there." He's like, "Oh yeah, really? <laughs> awesome." <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm still not. I've not played any new DBC games since uh, Budokai Tenkaichi Three came out, so I need to. Uh, Check that out, absolutely. But um, this new character for DBZ Xenoverse, or um, Dragon Ball Xenoverse, I'm not sure. But yeah, yeah, he's, I, I have no idea who he is. I've seen pretty much every character, even like the made-up characters for the games, 
I believe. And this is a new, this is a mysterious guy. And I've seen images where he, uh, apparently he's a time traveler because he goes back in moments of Dragon Ball's history, like when they're fighting Nappa and such. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, one of the creators said that he will, quote, I believe, uh, change everything you think you know about Dragon Ball. So I think we may be dealing with alternate timelines here, which kind of kind of makes it seem like it may be Trunks or a similar character. Because I don't think they'd call him a whole new character if he were Trunks. No, they, would, they wouldn't, like, play fast. I think that, like, I've seen an image um, on a, in, like, an image from a magazine that showed Trunks and it, like, how he looked in the game, and it showed this character. Because this character, like, has, like, kind of reddish hair, and he's not, despite the, the Castle Core thing, I'm not sure you, you would mistake him for Trunks, because Trunks is very distinctive. So I think this is legitimately a new character or a new form of a new character because he could be, like, you never know how these characters are going to look, you know, from one end to another. I mean, Gohan looks different in every saga, so you never know. He could be Gohan from, like, 400 years in the future. I don't know. It could be Nappa from 400 years in the future. We don't know. But, um, no, I, I, honestly, I am legitimately intrigued because the fact that they said this is going to change DBZ is like, are we doing Days of Future Past Dragon Ball style? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if only they could, if only they could X three out, uh, GT. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, the Black Star Dragon Ball has never happened. Let's all forget about that. Uh, but thank you for reminding me. And I'm, um, I'm sorry, I nearly, I nearly forgot about that. Is there anything else that that, that comes to your mind that I'm not forget about? Nope, no. I do want. It's not news necessarily. I guess it's kind of bridging the gap to the next segment. But you know, I'm really pumped for this episode. I don't, I don't know why. I mean, I pump for every episode, mm-hmm. and, and I really, you know, enjoy doing the show and all, all the time. But yeah, I've just, I've really been on a Dragon Ball kick. I think you and I have been texting back and forth like photos and just random Dragon Ball asides like the entire week. Like, yeah, know, we have, we have. <laughs> it's been awesome. Well, I mean, well, let me ask you, like, like before, I mean, obviously we're not going to get to the reviews later on, but uh, just. Do you think it's because um, we covered a pretty epic episode last time? Do you think it's like the excitement off of that, or just in general? Do you want to know what, what happens with Maj? Did you know what want to know what happens with Majin Buu and the other characters? Uh, yeah, I mean, it really is because these episodes, the episodes prior, they really left on a great you know cliffhanger or a great setup for the future episodes, and yeah, just the story. It's well, it's always been engaging. I'm really liking where it's at right now, and the developments. It seems like it's getting to a payoff that it was building towards a climax that we haven't really seen in the series so far. Mm. And I don't know if that is because we're, we're kind of winding down, you know, in the home stretch. Oh, no, we're nowhere near the home stretch. <laughs> we have plenty of episodes left. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. It's just something about, you know, something about this. I have to, I have to guess I have to look more into it because the, that, Honestly, you know, these episodes that we watched here, they left me wanting just as much as last time. So, you know, it hasn't diminished anything. It wasn't just like a fluke. Well, this is the point now. Um, I think it's a good intro for, for our episode, our podcast episode, where um, I believe Daniel writes in. This is the point now where my, my tolerance for the rules like a, begins to wane. But I had, a, I had a big think, to use a British term, a big think about why that might be, and I kind of had a rethink on, well, do I really not like this, or is this good, or this is not? So I'm actually interested in talking over with you, because some things I might like, some things I might not like. And, so, and, I, and I think that, like, um, it's a very interesting transition period from the start of the Buu saga, where they're in a, the, the good guys are in a very bad place, to where they kind of transition to, okay, here's how we're going to fight Majin Buu. 
From now, I that. will say that while these episodes still have me stoked, and I think they're still quite good, there is I do have some, some issues and some – just some – Oh, I hope so. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, I, hope so I just I was like, it isn't all gravy. Yeah, th- I'm not rage quitting just yet, but there are things where, like, I'm. It's not going to be as as much effusive praise as oh, I don't know, Vegeta committing suicide, <laughs> which sounds a lot more worse than it was. But uh, I'm, no, I'm, I'm down for looking looking forward to this. I, I did end up kind of cramming for this episode, or uh, but not not for lack of you know interest in um having a lot of DBs in, in the excuse me in the brain today. Yeah, I'm very much interested in talking about what happens here, but um. <laughs> now, I don't know if I've ever, if I've ever asked you if, if this has ever came up before, but just in so far, and I think it kind of I think this is a, a, a good question since we're going into. Would you say that the the era of Dragon Ball that you like the least, or the most divisive era? Um, in terms of Dragon Ball Z, it's the one that like when I think back on, uh, it has the least amount of my favorite moments, and convert like, like alternatively more moments where I'm kind of like, well, I wish it didn't happen. That was kind of annoying. Okay, so so during your watch back so far for the show, has your opinion changed on anything for the better? You kind that's it. Hey, <laughs> you kind of talked me into dealing with Trunks and Goten being Super Saiyans because. I'm there for a while. I'm like, I don't really care for the fact that them becoming Super Saiyans at such a young age was tossed off. Uh, we have to accept the idea that these six and seven year olds are stronger than Frieza. But you kind of, you kind of worked around that with like the whole, well, their fathers were Super Saiyans. The next generation is always getting stronger. It's not that big of a deal. So I was like, you know what? Logically, it's, it's not as illogical as I, as I might think. Um, I, I always love the whole Majin Vegeta bit, as opposed to Daniel, which we'll get into later. And Daniel's online right now. Hey, Daniel. But um, a lot of the really, really crazy stuff, it starts to creep in in these episodes. And here's the thing. I mean, I, Just like Roshi. I, oh, yeah, we'll get into that. I, I, I would consider the boost I got to be in three big, like, three-thirds of, of a big arc. You know, there's there's definitely, like, um, a beginning, middle, and end. We're in the middle bit. By the... The last third of the Boo Saga is kind of – I might be crossing my arms and kind of grumbling throughout, throughout the way. We're not there yet, but this is, this is something that, that, would, uh, that a second opinion is certainly welcome on considering, you know, you don't want to hear just me – because a lot of people love the Boo Saga. You don't want to hear just me saying, well, this, this is why this sucks, and you are stupid for liking it. You know, you want to hear us talk our way through it and try to explain why, we might like, why, why something might be good, why something might not be good, or this or that or the other. Because otherwise, you don't want to hear somebody just, just bitch and moan about something that they've not, that, that they've not actually thought their way through on. Yeah, nothing, nothing annoys me as a podcast listener, as, as just a fan of something, to hear people cut it down without sound reasoning. Yeah. Like, I, I don't care if you disagree with me, but let me know why, because then I can change my opinion, possibly. Like, right. Yeah, so... so have you seen? Do you think you've seen the Boo Saga enough that your opinion is set, or do you think going in something could change? You know, it's funny because I believe I've only seen the Boo Saga all the way through once. That was when it, it aired ten years ago. <laughs> I think I believe I was in eighth grade. I, I remember. I remember um, getting ready for basketball practice when I was watching a fight later on the Boo Saga, but um, on Toonami. But would you say that you're in a different place as a fan to maybe be able to appreciate it differently? I'm a lot less reactive. Um, I know when it was coming out, I loved everything. I, I wasn't very critical, but uh, 
I remember, like, in, in, when playing the games and playing the story modes and seeing the Boo Saga again and again and again, and then accumulating the manga and kind of rereading every now and then, and, and looking on message boards and seeing, like, you know, general opinions, and, like, I, I kind of realized, you know, that, that didn't make it a lick of sense. Now, yeah, that, that did kind of suck. And uh, I don't think I, I really like that, or I enjoy that bit. Whereas, like, when, when I think of, like, you know, moments in the Cell games or the Freeze Saga, it's like, that was freaking epic. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I have reflected upon it at, at the time, but I'm, no, I'm, I'm not sat down and done what I've done now for the podcast. Like, you know, see it again and think about it. So this is my opportunity to do so and to, like, uh, really see if all my blustering the last several episodes was uh, made of hot air or not. And I, I, I'm perfectly willing. I'm not really of an opinion to, like, you know, say um, everybody's wrong, this objectively sucks for much anything except for Dragon Ball Evolution, which even then, I've not seen all the way through, so I can't fully say that. So uh, I'm, I'm interested in talking about um, things that, like, I might not like, but could I, I could have my mind changed apart. There are definite parts that, like, I'm not going to lie, there are parts that really do, I, I don't like, but... I, there's nothing that that I, I'm unwilling to uh, be reasonable about. Is the Busaka the the part of the series that you're least familiar with? Um, you know, maybe because the Saiyan and Free Saga has reran so many times, and I I really enjoy the Cell Saga. The Boo Saga, I mean, I, I'm familiar with it to, to remember what happens and know what happens. Okay, actually, that being said, I texted you a couple of times saying, I don't, I don't remember this. <laughs> so, you know what, I, I, you call me a lie. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm probably less familiar with this, just in terms of complete blank slate, rewatching and familiarity than I am with everything else. So Because I think that we've reached a part in the series where not only, you know, is my opinion or my perspective of the show – which you've all, I know you've always appreciated as a newcomer warranted. I think you, you can't undermine your opinion, you know, your perspective here because this is something you're, you're revisiting after a substantial amount of time that mm-hmm. you didn't necessarily have the best opinion of. So, yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see how you're going to react and how your opinion differs or stays the same. Well, it's interesting for me because like a, a lot of times, and I'll just kind of be honest here, I, I'm always. For a while, I was I was usually worried how you would take to certain things. Like you know, I was like, oh man, that was a really that was a really awesome moment. I wonder how Jesse's going to think because he, he's like, you know, well, this is all new to him. Is his reaction going to be the same thing to this? This point, this, I mean, we're at the end of the series, dude. This is the last major arc of the series. There's there's nothing that you need to be really informed on besides the, the, the you know the rare esoteric Dragon Ball reference. There's nothing you really need to be told that that you know. Oh well, this character says this and this character says. You know all the characters. You know all their motivations. You know the personalities. You know how things work, so it's a lot more of an interesting sort of like even keeled. What do we think of this that we're watching now, as opposed to, well, I thought this way. What do you think? Well, this is what I think kind of now. Like like the conversations kind of morphed into a bit more of a uh, uh, a an even equilibrium. I uh, you know, oddly enough, surprisingly enough, I actually had that exact thought earlier today while watching one of the episodes. I yeah, I thought I just I was watching it and I was like, oh well, that's you know. That's that character, and I was like, I know enough, and I feel comfortable enough about the series to think that and to, and to have that opinion, to recognize that. And I looked back, and I was like, you know, this is my show. This is a fandom of mine. That is so I, cool. Yeah, I'm, no, it's no longer, you know, oh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm on this podcast about this thing that's popular. It's like, no, it's about this thing that I enjoy. Absolutely, and that's good because I, I remember just like the the the, the pre-show jitters I had when we when we were doing episode one, explaining who everything were and having Goku die at the end of the episode. I was like, how are we going to get to the Bruce saga? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, are we ready for emails? Uh, I think we are. 
Okay, do you want to start us off with the first one, <laughs> the first of more than one, <laughs> from uh, Mr. Evangeli? He starts off, Dear Don and Jesse, I haven't really got all that much to say about your last episode beyond agreeing with you guys wholeheartedly about how well written and what a triumph for Vegeta's character it was. For me, this type of stuff is kind of why I can't agree with fans who loathe the boo art. <laughs> That being said, I have to kind of disagree with Don about how the, sa- how the saga should have ended here. For starters, I don't think the villain has been around long enough to simply defeat him so soon, and truth be told, I don't think he was actually intimidating enough to be worthy of being the final villain of the show. On top of, his, on, of, this, being, <laughs> on top of this being brutally honest, I really do feel that Goku or Gohan should be the ones to have a hand in the defeat of the major villains, Frieza, Cell, etc., because at the end of the day, they're the two central protagonists. Hmm. Do you want to hit this up uh, like paragraph by paragraph? Um, we, we, we might as well, otherwise we might forget. Uh, I think that's what I was exactly thinking. Um, I'll start off here. Uh, he does say that, that Goku or Gohan should be the ones to have a hand in defeating the, ma- the major villain. And I agree, they are the protagonists. They, you know, they're they're the, the rock of the shows, essentially. Mm-hmm. And have a hand, yes... I don't mind Vegeta if Vegeta were to, to, you know, defeat the, the villain. I, don't, I wouldn't mind him doing that because I think that is the ultimate arc for that character to go from being the main villain of arc to the sacrifice of the arc or to the instrument of the villain's defeat. Right. I think it it kind of it boomerangs around. It comes back around to a good point for that character, a good coda to that character. No, yeah, I mean, I don't. I think it would be really sweet if Vegeta was able to finish off a saga. I understand that that's not really how, like, the the flow of the show would work. But I think, that, like, at, at that point, the show was very, very... The show had kind of bucked a lot of its trends previously, in my opinion. So I think that that would have been kind of cool. But, I'm, you know, when I said, like, I wish the arc would have ended there, most of that wasn't just to kind of big Vegeta. Most of that was because, you know, to save us from what I felt <laughs> like later on. And I, and I know I'm, I know I'm you know... Foreboding with that, with that, with that, with those words, but uh, that was kind of like where my head was at the time. And I don't. He says he doesn't think Boo is intimidating enough, and hasn't been around long enough. While that's true for Boo, Bobby has been around, a, you know, a little longer, and we've kind of gotten his, um, whatever Bobby is ness. Uh, yeah, we're getting to that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, at this point I view Boo less as a character and more just as a force of nature. They they constantly say that he's – I think they even said that he's not necessarily evil as much as just a force of destruction. That That's that's all he cares about. He's very chaotic. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, you know, that 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 aspect is addressed in, in Carrie uh, – that aspect is a very, like uh, – it, there's a lot of attention paid to that aspect as the, as the art goes on. There's a reason why they call it the Boo Saga, not the Bobbity Saga, and it's just and it's not just because of this like you know animalistic Pokemon that that just destroys everything. <laughs> everything. And so like uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk that out through 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 the months that follow. But uh, for now, uh, I would say that like, our, he he he's not so much a henchman, but he is like a, a controllable force of nature. I mean, how, how can you deal with such motivation as Boo's stomach so big? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, he goes on. Finally, I would. Damn. <clears throat> Finally, I will just point out that having an ultimate, ineffective heroic sacrifice is actually a trope the series has employed a lot by this point. 
So I don't think it's unreasonable for Vegeta's own sacrifice to ultimately not work. After all we've seen, Goku himself sacrifice his life only for... Oh, wait. <clears throat> After all, we've seen Goku himself sacrifice his life only for the main bad guy ultimately to survive. This isn't to say that from an emotional or character point of view, Vegeta's sacrifice was meaningless. I'm in it just in terms of defeating the villain. Now, let me think. Okay. Jiaotsu is a, is a shining example. Goku. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't do anything to death. Um... Uh, Goku. Yamcha, he sacrificed himself for that Sabu man. Yeah, Yamcha's here! Yamcha's dead! Um, Tien, I wouldn't say Tien was a necessary sacrifice, although technically it kind of was. Didn't sell? Against, uh, Nappa, I can. Nappa, Nappa cleared out those Z fighters. I was gonna say, uh, against Tien, against Cell, uh, almost. He was willing to sacrifice himself. Well, see, I, I, I like that because, well, I mean, not only does, he, does Tien not die, but, like, he legitimately bought time for 18 to escape, which she, she ignored. She, she wasted and got his order anyway, but that wasn't his fault. So like, I like that, too, and I think that got the same point across as the heroic sacrifice trope without yeah. actually having to be the heroic sacrifice trope. Yeah, because, like, we, I remember we were sitting in that episode, like, you know, is he going to – like, there was a big threat of, is Tien going to die? And Goku decided, Goku decided to save him and not Piccolo. <laughs> okay? I guess he knows him longer. But, um <laughs> – I'm trying to think, like, any other heroic sacrifice. Well, there's Android 16. Kind of, or I guess his bomb didn't work, so maybe, maybe not. There, there, was a, there were a lot of times of characters dying pointlessly. <laughs> I, think that, I, mean, I think that's a trope in most fiction, though, the heroic sacrifice, where the, ha-ha, shocker, the villain's alive. Could be, yeah. I, it's, it's definitely a DBZ trope. Um, and I could see that being, I think that trope was, was kind of prevalent in pop culture when the, when the manga was being written. Because this was written in the 90s, right? Yeah, this is originally. This, this is this is easily uh, 94, 95 at this point. Yeah. Um, I think there's also Master Roshi when he tried to defeat King Pickle against Dragon Ball spoilers. Whoops. <laughs> no, but I, yeah, this that, that it's one of the things. The way they did it, we kind of forget how often of a thing this was. Speaking of which, as a kid, I really felt let down by Boo because I couldn't take him seriously. Having seen Dragon Ball and understanding this was harkening back to that as well as knowing what comes later, I like him more now. Additionally, having seen Funimation's dub with Bruce Falconer's... Is that correct? Falconer's? Well, he spells it wrong, but that's the correct that's pronunciation. Okay. Like, as I was reading, I was like, I think I've heard Don say this before. Yes. Funimation's dub with Bruce Falconer's score really makes the character come off better than in the Ocean dub for, from when I was a kid. Under Funimation's dub, Boo was still funny, but there was a seriously creepy undertone to him because he is so mindlessly childish. <laughs> Did you guys pick up on that at all? For me, this was particularly particularly notable when he utterly brutalized Gohan and Supreme Kai. Uh, so, which dub are we watching right now? Well, we're watching Funimation. We, I don't think I've ever, I don't think we've ever like used the Ocean dub for this podcast. I mean, I have. On some of the movie cases, but I, th- I think by and large, whether it's Kai or not, it's always been Funimation. I would say, yeah, I, I remember that one of them was more, I guess, not as common as the other. But yeah, well, they was, like, I always yeah. forget which one is which. Uh, I do want to say that speaking of uh, the score, these episodes particularly had a few beats that I really enjoyed. Let's talk about music. <laughs> um, did you, do you remember the moments? Uh, the the main scene I can think of was when Go. Well, I'm sorry, with Trunks and Goten woke up, mm-hmm. and you had that theme playing. Uh, it just it really fit in that that moment when they found Mister Popo. <laughs> uh, Mister Popo found them. Uh, it, 
they played that theme prior. I don't know if it's is it, if it's their theme particularly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just really fit in that scene, and it was a nice bit of levity to what we've been getting in the episodes without going completely over the bo- overboard and uh, being as time. bad as some stuff we get in some of the episodes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we should also mention that this uh, the edition that we do watch is the original. Oh Lord, Shinsuke Kinkuchi <laughs> score, I believe, uh, from the original series. The Bruce Faulkner score. I I do tend to use the Faulkner score in some of the clips just because. Why not? But, um, so you might hear it there, but, like, um, in the Kinkuchi score specifically, that's the score I always say that sounds like a, a Chinese Western, but, uh, there are times that the score is actually very, very powerful, that it's kind of unexpected, that style of music would, uh, fit for the Yeah, the, 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 the music had, uh, had, had a lot of horns in it, and I, I don't know music at all. I know what I like, and I know what I dislike, but I, I can't even tell you what instruments are playing half the time, but, uh, I just really dug it. it, it these yeah, few episodes... Music doesn't sound to me a lot. Music doesn't stand out to me a lot, and I, I don't think it should. Like if I'm distracted enough to know what I'm hearing, then something's not working. But yeah, it just really hit me right. Well, I will say that like uh, what I know of listening to it is that like there's a lot of chords that kind of uh, are reminders of the We Got Power theme song, which is the new theme song for Dragon Ball Z during the Boo Saga. Like before, then the, the like some of the music cues are are decidedly different than the usual ones because the the original Japanese theme has been changed. And I wonder how much how many fans saw called betrayal around that time. But um, <laughs> so like it's, it is some of it is fairly new to the series at that time. So that's kind of changing like the new stuff at that point. You, you are are, in, are digging because I don't think I don't believe that Kai ever used any of the uh, 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 themes that are reminiscent of this era's music. Like, like some, some of them, not all of them. So you said that the, the theme I'm talking about is the original theme from the Japanese? Yes, it's, it's the original Japanese one that, that aired when the show first aired. Okay. Do you have a preference? Or how do you think the, the Falconer score holds up to I think the original? I some, think some scenes work better than others. Um, like, uh, uh, there, I, I, and I got clips from this episode uh, where when Goku tells everyone about Gohan and Vegeta, I use the Bruce Falconer music because I think that that one's actually a lot more emotionally resonant. Where in the original one, it's like kind of thing. Where like it, it, I don't think I don't think it carries emotion as effectively. Although last episode, I used virtually nothing but the original Japanese music because I thought that, was, that that carried the drama of Vegeta's actions a lot more uh, intensely. Although I think the Falconer, the Falconer music was good as well. And then so like it's I kind of I kind of just go back and forth. I mean I, I enjoy both aspects at times. Uh, what do you think about Boo's uh, dub here? Because I can say that prior to this, these episodes, this suite of episodes, mm-hmm. I thought they did a pretty good balance of his just creepiness. Uh, but this, the episodes we watched right here, they're kind of going into that laughable, I think unintentionally funny area, as opposed to striking a balance. I think the novelty of hearing the childlike voice in him wears off fairly quickly. Um, again, in the Japanese version, he he kind of talked like you know. Oh, he's speaking Japanese, but like his voice kind of sounds like this. Where like it's kind of like a like uh, it sounds, sounds like some sort of like wizard-born monster rather than like you know the mind of a child. Even though the that is the character, the character is like you know he does say his name, he does want food. That is his character, but like his vo- his vocal performance was completely different. Um, I I mean I think it carries the idea, but the performance itself, and I'm not sure who performs him in the, in the Funimation dub, is. 
that doesn't stand the test of time in terms of the repetition that they that they have when the character is called upon to speak. And I think that like I think he also speaks a lot more in these episodes. Oh, definitely. And I think that that kind of is what threw me off. Like less is more with them. I think that they they nail Boo's voice a later a bit later on when the character is changed. And they're a lot more successful then, more so than they are with this fat boot. I'm not saying this fat boot is awful, but like there are times where like it does really great on my nerves. <laughs> beyond that, I haven't got anything to say about last episode beyond, again, agreeing with your points you both made. With that, I'll ask a few questions. All right. Number one, <clears throat> which do each of you think was the better fight? Goku versus Vegeta in the Saiyan saga or their fight in the Buu saga? Personally, I love both, but I gotta go with the Saiyan Saga because how both fighters were pushed to their limits and how goddamn epic that being struggle was. No, oh, yes. Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, he goes on. Well, <laughs> seriously, Kamehameha versus Gallic Gun is an ironic, ironic, iconic moment from the series and sort of epitomizes the show for me. Uh... uh I, I, I would have thought about this before. Um, for me, I don't know what it is about the first Goku Vegeta fight, but there's something just so awesome about the fight. And it's, not, it's not even that long. It's like one episode. But like, there's just something so cool about that. I think it was just the build-up and the, cathartic, the catharsis you gain after having the Z fighters just die over and over again during that saga. And it, and it really is violent and intense. I think the re- rematch they have as, as Super Saiyans is good. I think the animation is good. I was the manga's like you know barely a page, <laughs> but um the anime they have it's it's nice, it's good, and it's and it's a worthy. I would say it's a worthy sequel to it, but I, I don't think that that anything's ever topped their initial uh, matchup. What do you think? Uh, I'm gonna have to pass on the question just because I can't take either fight out of context. Okay. Because the first fight, you did have basically the gratification of getting back at from him from killing all the characters. Right. But at the same time, these characters are new to me, so it didn't have as much resonance as I think it would for someone who liked Dragon Ball. Flash forward to this, and you're getting the pay payoff of something that's been teased at and set up for an entire series. So... That influences a lot of how excited I was to see this fight. I do think the animation is better, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know the characters better by this point, so I, I, I kind of just am more invested in it for that reason. But I do agree that that bean struggle was amazing, and yeah, it had a lot of great beats. And also, I will say that the original fight. That was the focus of the show at that time. The entire struggle at that time. Yeah, everything, everything, everything led to that moment. Yeah, at this, it's almost an afterthought. It's it's more personal, you know. And I think that there's a lot to be said that this is going on while everything else is. But that also kind of detracts from it. Like I want to see just Goku and Vegeta, and that's it. No cut, no cutaways, no, you know, annoying asides. I want to see them go at it and just go at it, not. You know, not be distracted. So yeah, you know, I can't decide. I, I I think I'll go back and rewatch the Saiyan Saga fight because hey, I, I enjoyed it and yeah, I, I want to see how it compares to this. Well, I think you should. Well, one thing that like I, I can say we're going to do. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned before is that when we end this 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 podcast after we've reviewed everything, 
Uh, I have very much of the mind to do a bunch of lists, like old favorite fights, favorite characters, favorite movies, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, we should so do that. We should, we should. Oh, yeah. Well, we should, it's, like, it's going to happen. Lock into two rooms, write a list of ten, see how many are similar, and then just not even tell each other so they're on the spot answers. <laughs> well, I mean, um, that would, that would be our opportunity to kind of revisit a lot of things. I mean, the, the Goku Vegeta fight is, like, I believe the most iconic fight in the entire history of Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Z, all that. That, this whole Akira Toriyama, you know, fighting thing, that is the most, like, iconic fight in the series. And I have no problem saying that and agreeing with that, but I don't, I'm not sure that, like, even when we reviewed that fight, I fully, I fully um, understood on a factual level why that was. It's just so awesome that, like, I'm just wondering, like, you know, there's no real, no real reason besides it's so awesome. So I hope to, like, figure that out by the end of the series, otherwise people will be some time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's see. Number two, his second question. Many people feel you can boil down characters or shows down to one or more fundamental themes. For instance, a lot of people say the X-Men bore down to prejudice and the Fantastic Four is ultimately about family. Were you to do this for Dragon Ball, what would you say the series is ultimately about, or what themes do you think it represents? Over the years, I've heard people say it's about everything from self-improvement to sinking redemption. Hmm, what do you think? Off, off the top of my head, uh, I, I can see self-improvement and redemption. I can see that in, in certain characters. I can't necessarily see that as the show on, on for the show on the whole, because I, I can definitely think of shows, yeah, or the or media that you can represent in one you know one catch-all phrase, like you know like X Men. You can I think saying that that's about prejudice is pretty spot on, at least to the initial you know theme to get someone into it. Redemption is a is a recurring theme, but it's not the theme of the series. The theme of the series, or a theme of the series, I think. Yeah, exactly. You could say, not necessarily self-improvement, but pushing past your limits. I guess bettering yourself, but bettering yourself in the in dire situation. So stepping up to the plate, uh, being there, I guess being, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, being... One took my tongue. Yeah, just, you know, stepping up to the plate and... Reaching new plateaus kind of thing? Yeah. I guess doing what needs to be done, because we constantly see that with the characters. Just with how much the characters... All the characters sacrifice, and how much they go through, and how much they save you know the world and the universe, because at this point, they've saved the world plenty of times over. It's interesting, because, like, you know, Dragon Ball Z being, like, the shonen game changer that it was, a lot of the uh, fighting anime that's come after it has really kind of like, I don't want to say copy, but like a lot of the themes, I don't want to say even themes, but like the instances of characters getting stronger and stronger and stronger really play out as a response to DPC. Um, I mean, I, I, I say that, you know, you, well, even you, Hakusho, appeared like, you know, well after Dragon Ball started, so you could say that as well. Like, uh, um... I, I think that self-improvement is, is a legitimate theme. I mean, obviously, Toriyama did not make this series with the theme in mind, like, from, from the get-go. I'm not Especially because, because the tone was so different. But, like, in every single arc, the characters always work their way to get stronger and stronger and, and try to improve themselves for either the, either the reason to improve themselves or either to, you know, because someone's relying on them to do so. And 
well, I'm not sure that, like, that's what this, I would say what this show's about. I'm not sure what this show's about. <laughs> but I would say that, like, that's probably the biggest thing that you can take away from, uh, uh, the series, and that's, that's, that's the most inspiring thing you take away from the series. I mean, there's so many videos online that show seen from DBZ that, that are inspirational videos saying, you know, just don't give up, push yourself to your limits, and always believe in yourself, which is, a, 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 I would say, I would argue that it is a central theme of DBZ. I'm not sure what DBZ would be about or Dragon Ball would be about, but the biggest theme I would imagine would be uh, self-improvement, with redemption being a persistent theme that, that pops up every, uh, every now and then. Yeah I, yeah, I will say that redemption pops up. I mean, just from the first saga with Piccolo, you've got that coming in. You've got Piccolo, you've got Vegeta, you've got Android 18. Yep. Plus uh, the original Z Fighters. You, you said that Yamcha, yep. Tien, yep. all started off as rivals, not necessarily you know evil bad guys, but rivals. Tien actually was uh, he didn't he was never a bad guy, but like he uh, his aspirations. Uh, where, like, you know, I'm going to be an assassin just like my master. And then he kind of said, I, I, I just try to be a martial artist. <laughs> he, I, th- I think he actually says, I think his, his literal line from the manga is, I don't want to be evil anymore. Well, <laughs> 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 yeah, like, um, uh, Yamcha, Tien, Piccolo, 18. I mean, Krillin wasn't evil, but he was a douchebag. I love Kid Krillin. <laughs> he was awesome. <laughs> I love it. Oh yes. Now I, you know, I, I think this is one of the shows where I wouldn't say that. Oh, this is Goku's journey, just because Goku is almost infallible in his his steadfastness to to help and do what's right. Like he doesn't he doesn't go through a whole lot of arc, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because I don't think every character. I don't think every character needs to have those moments of doubt when it doesn't mm-hmm. when it's forced and when it doesn't benefit the, the that's, show. That's what Gohan is for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the character Goku really any development he has is is, is extremely uh, uh, just very very slow. I was I wouldn't say that the character has no development, but like by and large, the character is virtually he's a lot he's very very similar to how he started out. Although in the first chapter he was you know some some street kid, but uh uh. The main personality is pretty much the same. Yeah, I think the role he plays in the series is to be like a, like a steadfast rock as opposed you know, to something changing. And I think that benefits a lot of characters because you can see how his morality there influences Vegeta, influences Piccolo, influences his son, sons. You know, just how much hope he gives other people. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, and I like... Um We've not talked about the episodes yet, but I like how his reputation proceeds into the next generation. And Trunks and Goten at one point, call, and I want to talk about this later on. You know, we've always heard so much about you. You're supposed to be this, that, and the other, but we're not seeing it. But like, you know, it's, it, sooner or later, everybody, everybody loves Goku, <laughs> even Vegeta and Piccolo. So there's that. <clears throat> do you guys read emails before you get on the air, or do you read them live? I only ask because if you guys read them before recording, I obviously don't want to accidentally give spoilers away f- to Jesse for upcoming episodes like I kind of did with the Videl fight. Sorry about that, by the way. No problem, by the way. No worries. Um, <clears throat> we generally read them live. Uh, for the most part, I, think, I don't think either of us put a lot of thought into them. Like, no, you know, <laughs> not really. Uh, and I like it that way. I like kind of being on the on the moment. Uh, I think you do screen them, obviously, for like super spoiled, right? Yeah, that's that's the main reason. I mean, I always like I speed read them. I don't really like stop and read unless they're you know just uh, it's a pretty thought provoking. But 
by and large, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of like, like, like scan 50% of it, make sure that it's not like, you know, someone was going to die today or tomorrow, but like, uh, and make sure that it's legible. And, um, you know, and then I kind of forget about it until we t- do time record. <laughs> yeah, and I, like I said, I like keeping it that way. It keeps it fresh and spontaneous. Because I think, for the most part, the best impressions come from on-the-moment conversation. And I know I don't like overly rehearsed podcasts. They just kind of sound stale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 genuine reaction is is, is I don't, I'm not. I do know there are podcasts that go off scripts, but um, you don't want like you know analysis and, and like you know reaction to certain things. And I'm not, I don't know anybody who would, who would script a response to an email. That'd be kind of pretentious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> well, that's it for this month. I'll be sure to not miss the next exciting episode of the next dimension. Oh, I get I get what you did there. Hold on. <clears throat> Well, that's it for this month. I'll be sure not to miss the next exciting episode of the Next Dimension Podcast. Cue Falconer Music to play us out. <laughs> oh, yes. Thank you very much, Alex. Um, our next email is from Daniel Yarbrough. He writes in about, uh, had a subtitle, Not So Amazing Spider-Man, question mark, about our Spider-Man review. Um, I'm not going to read much from this. I don't want to, you know, completely ignore it, but because we are a bit away from that, and we had a feedback episode last month, I'll just hit up some <laughs> brief paragraphs, and I hope that he understands. Because uh, he, he also writes, writes again about uh, more prevalent material, so I'll just read some of his Spider-Man email. Hello, Spider-Friends. Wow, you guys managed to do a podcast that is even longer than the movie you are reviewing it. And even more impressive, you were all really positive towards a movie that everyone seems to want to hate. It's funny. After listening to the Spider-Man Crawl Space podcast reviewing the movie, I thought I was too lenient on the movie. But after listening to the more positive stance on your episode, I think I maybe was too hard on the movie. Speaking of Crawl Space podcast, it was fun hearing Stella on the show, as I haven't heard her on a podcast since she left the Spider-Man Crawl Space crew. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, Batgirl to Oracle is one of the Batman universe. And wow, does she really like busting your chops out of him. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be this up. She just texted me as I finished this. Yeah. <laughs> she okay. This entire time, I I told her, hey, Jesse and I got you back for you know uh, ball busting DBZ on your podcast, and then she's been like trolling me saying I should do a DBZ podcast. You know, I'll take away all your listeners and everything. So, thanks for bringing her name up again, Daniel. You'll pay for that. T- tell her about the the Kathy Kane podcast. Uh, the yeah. real Batgirl. Hell yeah. Um. But as, it was good to hear her perspective on things as well. And all three of you did a good job sharing your opinions and defending a movie that is getting some harsh criticism. Even if I don't agree with all your takes uh, on and all, I appreciate you guys sharing it. As for myself, I did enjoy ASM 2. AS, yeah, ASM 2. I actually liked it more than the first Amazing Spider-Man, but I should preface this by saying I did not really like the first ASM movie. I actually find that's the one hard, that's the, that one is hard to sit through and watch as much as Spider-Man 3. And really, most of the problems I have with the movie are ones I had, the, I had with the sequel. The script is just awful. There are too many changes made for the sake of making changes. And I know I'm in the minority, but I just cannot get into Garfield's performance as Spider-Man. It's weird, because I know on paper I should like him, but there's just something about his performance that really seems forced and artificial to me. I think a lot of it comes, down from, comes from his voice, and maybe it's just that it's not his real voice, but every time he talks, he just sounds strange and mumbled and unnatural. He sounds like someone trying way too hard to sound witty and spontaneous, and it just throws me out of the movie every time he talks. Combine that in the first movie with the fact that he never for a second looks like he should be an actual high schooler, and a Spider-Man costume, that was just an eyesore to me, and it just makes a movie a chore to watch. However, I did think the rest of the cast was really good, and despite how harsh I am being, I actually liked it more than I thought I would when I first left the theater. Uh, I had hopes for the second one. 
Those hopes were not fulfilled with ASM2, but I still enjoyed myself when watching it. Garfield was much less annoying this time around. <laughs> I think a lot came from the smart decisions to get him in a better costume, and immediately having him and Emma Stone, who never fit as a high school either, graduate. The action was just about every scene of Spider-Man was really well done in the movie. And Emma Stone is fantastic and carries a lot of charm as well. You may notice I keep on referring her to as, as Emma and not Gwen because, let's be honest, she's not really playing Gwen Stacy. She's just playing Emma Stone in the Spider-Man movie. But she is darn likable all the time, all the same, and it makes that end all the more tragic. I actually didn't mind Electro in the movie that much. Yeah, he wasn't great, but I didn't find him as corny or unbearable as everyone else seems to. I admit that I have absolutely no sense to tell when things are campy or over the top. That being said, I think it would have worked well if they cut all, all the Batman Forever build-up of the character of <laughs> Electro. True words are never spoken. Just first show him as a lowly Oscorp employee, use his bad work relationships to show no one cares about him, and actually show him being resentful of that Oscorp, that Oscorp is making a fortune off his power grid ideas, then drop him in the eels. That's all that was needed for Baxter in the sky. You didn't need any of that creepy Spider-Man obsession or, or beating us over the head with what a loser he was. I agree with that. I will bring this all back around to DBZ, though, uh, and throw this, thought, throw this thought out to you guys. I think a good comparison for the ASM movies is actually a lot like Dragon Ball Evolution. I'm not comparing quality, but comparing them in that both movies are really just like taking the core concepts of the comics and the character in them and very loosely reinterpret them in a completely different way with their own original story. Both also try to add a more realistic, darker tone to their stories. I would even argue that in some, both cases, probably the only thing they got, really got right was the main cast that seems to understand the essence of the, of the characters, even if they don't embody it on screen. We'll see about that. And, and this is the point where you both call me crazy for even suggesting that the movies are anything alike. Yes. <laughs> but in the end, I, I actually feel the same way about both of them. They're not the interpretations of these characters I want to see, but what I, but I see what they're going for, and there's still enough of the series and the movies that I can get some enjoyment out of from watching them. Anyway, that's all the time I got. I'll be writing back again with some ramblings on the next episode soon. In the meantime, you two keep up good work and feel free to add in these little special episodes reviewing other subjects away from DBZ whenever you want. They're fun to listen to and discuss as long as there is a still a DBZ fix on the next submission every month. I don't think anyone should mind. Sincerely, Daniel Yarborough. P.S. Okay, so there's one pothole in ASM2 that I've just not seen anyone else mention. Where is Spider-Man getting his web fluid from? In the first movie, they established that he basically buys it all wholesale from Oscorp, an idea I thought was really stupid, and that Oscorp makes the food from their super genetic spiders. So in the new movie, they announced that they had killed all the super spiders, which means they, should, they are no longer able to sell the webbing. So where is Spider-Man getting the web fluid from? Or, uh, or where is he going to get it once the supplies run out and there are no genetic spiders to make it? Um, well, Peter Parker is long established to be a genius. I assume he would synthesize it. Probably with the you know, everyday household items. Because that's all he would have since he's, you know, not rich. Other than that, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I would just imagine, like, he... When I watched uh, ASM2, when I got the... Well, ASM1, when I got the DVD, and saw that... He didn't exactly, like, you know, steal the web shooters from Oscar. He kind of refunctioned them to, like, you know, his purposes. So I imagine that like, he would know how to mix and match the formula... Uh, Later on, so I, I wasn't too much worried about it, that, that he kind of just stole the idea from Oscorp, kind of took what they were going with and kind of made it on his own. Let's, I'm, going to, I'm going to try to hit up a few of his points. Um, I can get behind him not liking Garfield. I love Garfield, and I think he embodies the character. But I've seen, I've, I've encountered people in the past where there's casting that everybody loves, and they just don't like it for some reason. Like That, that just happens. Like I know somebody who d- doesn't like Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. 
Really? Yeah. He just said, like, you know, I understand what people like about him and what makes him great and that he embodies, you know, for a lot of people, the character, but I don't like him. I'm not, I know some people who don't like, didn't like Christopher Reeves as Superman. What? Sorry. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. I was like, what? Like, I love Henry Cavill as Superman. Like, I think he did a really good role in that character. Yes. But I have a friend who says, yeah, so much better than Christopher Reeves. Like, I hated Christopher Reeves, and I'm like, what? what? Oh my god! Like, <laughs> I was just like, what? Like, you can you can like one without hating the other for one thing, but yeah, that's yeah, it, you know, like, or like people say, oh, I didn't like Michael Keaton, you know, I like Christian Bale. Like me, I never liked Christian Bale necessarily as Batman, but I can understand that people do. Yeah, we kind of have that discussion last. Yeah, time. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I I can get that. I can get behind it. I I think it's you know different, but. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, you, you can't like one th- one person without hating the other. And even, you know, if you don't like Christopher Reeve somehow, everybody's opinions everybody's opinions valid. I don't want to not get that out there. It was funny because I remember um, The Incredible Hulk, the, the, the 2008 movie that was in, that's in the Marvel Studios canon. Yeah. On, and my brother and I were watching it. It was the first time we'd seen it since the theater. And um, we were like, you know, this is actually pretty good. And it's so, it would have been so interesting to see what Norton would do in the Avengers. At the same time, though, we still enjoy Ruffalo. So it's kind of like, you know, like, 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 oh man, who would we prefer? We, we don't know, kind of thing. Where we, you know, we didn't say, Dirt Ruffalo sucks or Norton sucks. We like this other guy. So it's, it's, yeah, I really would have liked to have seen Norton in the Avengers because I like him as an actor in general. I know apparently he's a bit of a, you know, like a power trip mm-hmm. in his films, but he's a good actor. And I think he did good for that role. I, I look at his portrayal a lot like I look at Tobey Maguire's. I loved it and th- until I saw the replacement and I was like, I like him better. It doesn't, doesn't, diminish his portrayal at all but i just i really prefer ruffalo and i think a lot of people do but like yeah i don't know i that's not to say that his portrayal is worse it's just to say that i like what he did with the character better i like his depiction of the character better like i don't i didn't hate eric banna as as banner but he just he didn't do it for me you know which apparently a lot of people did but you know i think i think the thing for me a lot of it is visualizations and how much do they resemble the character in the comic, which is kind of BS because a, a, a different artist makes them all look different anyways. Exactly. Um, but I, I remember thinking like, you know, man, Norton does look to me like how yeah. Bruce Banner would look like a lot thinner character. Um, but, you know, I, I, that didn't really bother me too much with Ruffalo. With Eric Banner, I thought like he, he looks like a dashing, handsome guy to play uh, uh, Bruce Banner. But listen, I mean, I'm not going to lie and say I'm, I'm the biggest, like, you know, Hulk reader of all time, but... If Banner that, looked more like like a Batman or a Superman, like a leading man. Yes. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think Banner should look like that. Yeah, my, my imagination of uh, Bruce Banner is sort of like, you know, a, a trodden-upon kind of character who kind of keeps himself and is all about the science. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, Eric Banner is a good actor, but, like, you know, when I think of uh, the Hulk, other actors later on resemble what was in my mind's eye more so than him, which is not reflective off of his skills. Not, not to turn this into a Hulk podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to, to go off topic, or to speak about going off topic, I am glad that, you know, we got some positive feedback for our you know, diverging episodes. Thank God. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because, you know, it is kind of a crapshoot. We have this show, and we have a fan base dedicated to, to you know, Dragon Ball. And while there is a lot of bleed over, we don't necessarily, you know, want to alienate anybody. Right. And we're, we're not, I don't think we're doing side shows, which, and I'd love to do more in the future. I don't think we're doing those at the expense of the normal coverage. Yeah, I'm not, I'm never, I'm not ever going to, like, you know, just skip a month and just do something and have a, <laughs> not have a month go by without DVD coverage, because, like, that's just, one, I wouldn't want to do that, and two, that, that would, I would consider that disrespectful. If I saw another podcast do that, 
Like, if there was a Batman show that, like, covered the Green Lantern for no reason for one month, and, like, uh, when, they're on, when they're on the kind of schedule that we're on, I would think that would be self-indulgent and cheap. So I think that, like, we get away with being self-indulgent and cheap as long as we have our episode out there. Well, I think self-indulgent would be more just to speak, just to hear our own voices. I like to think that we both had varying opinions and opinions that we thought people would like to hear about it. Because I can talk, I can just ramble on about shit all day long. But yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, that's that was my kind of thinking. Like you know, I'm not on Crossfit anymore. Uh, Jesse and I are both Spider-Man fans, but I believe that's how we kind of came to know each other before we were on podcasts. Um, I know for a fact Stella, uh, who also wasn't on Crossfit anymore, has had seen the movie. Want to talk about it? So I was like, you want to come on and uh, talk about this? You know, it's my show. Who cares? And we already have our episode out. So I thought, you know, the opportunity arises and. Uh, Going back to like you know April Fool's episode, which I had I had in my mind I had to do a lot for for a long time, and like it was funny to kind of go back to see the show I've not seen in a while with Sailor Moon, uh, which I believe the new version is out by now. But like you know, um, it's I'm glad people like him, and I'm glad that like you know we we're talking about things that we're also interested in. It's not just talking you know it's us reading the newspaper for no reason. So yeah, yeah, and I mean ultimately. You know, that's if you're a fan of the show and you don't care for that, don't don't download it. You know, no hard feelings. We we do not get, we won't get upset. You know, oh no, our download numbers. Are- and I'm glad that they have that option because if, if they subscribe to us, they can always hopefully delete the episode and you know just patiently wait for like you know within two or three weeks for the uh, by that time for the next uh, episode coverage to come out. So because that's always I will say right here that's always going to happen. You, you won't ever have to like you know say, oh no, I, I need to like you know muscle through episodes until we get to what I'm interested in. If you're interested to hear us discuss the boot saga, that will always come within a few weeks span of the, uh, uh, I'm not sure when we're ever going to do another side episode, but you know, uh, who, who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll get on an insane Guardians of the Galaxy kick and talk about it then. Who knows? Only time yeah. will tell. I, I can guarantee that it'll come spontaneously and it'll come because one or both of us are just so excited about something. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, I don't think we should do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're not, we're never going to do it like, uh, just, uh, just for the sake of, at no point have we ever gotten the idea to do it for the sake of doing it. Like, you know, we yeah, have a lot at of that point, episodes. at that point, that's a whole other podcast. Exactly. Uh, our next email is from, hmm, this sounds familiar, Alex Evangeli, again. <laughs> Dear Don and Jesse, I had to write in just to say thanks, thank you, and bless you both for your feedback episode. Whilst I wanted to send my thoughts in, I really didn't expect you guys to read them on the air. Given the length of it, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, uh, Cutting back, I did want to just let Daniel know that uh, just hit me up on Facebook. I think hit either of us up on Facebook, honestly, to speak for Donovan about Spider-Man if you want to hear – if you want to ask us more questions or email us. I'll be glad to talk more. Absolutely. Talk, talk shop with him. <clears throat> uh, I'm sorry for interrupting, Alex. <clears throat> I didn't expect you guys to read them on the air. Given the length of it, I wouldn't have begrudged you if you guys – begrudged you if you guys had left it alone. But you went the extra mile, so I take my hat off to you. As for the length itself, I'm sorry about that, but Spider-Man is a subject near and dear to me, and you guys brought up a lot of good things to talk about. I actually really agree with Don about the ending for characters. Whilst I think, say, Spider-Man has to be at its absolute least 30 years worth of generally new stories left in, has about 30 years left of generally new stories left in him, I think having him go on forever is just a slow death for the character creatively. Creatively. In particular, I don't think this works because, to a lesser or greater extent, Spider-Man was a character who experienced a passage of time from his inceptions until at least the 1990s. That passage of time allowed for organic storytelling opportunities to throw at him while, 
which doesn't work when he is suddenly frozen in one place forever. Maybe the solution will be adopting the p- passage of time, but making it go at a snail's pace. Someone didn't like one more day. <laughs> Would you believe? Uh, now, I, you know, I do have to say, um, as far as Spider-Man's storytelling, even, even as a youth, youth, uh, youth of the 90s, I, I kind of gathered that, like, there was a history and there was a timeline for Spider-Man. Right. You know, now, I, I know, like, he, he was in a high, graduate of high school, what, in 36 ep- issues? Or yeah, it, uh, the Dicko run was about, was about that long. He graduated in issue 28. Which and is then he was in college for, what, 10 years? He was in college for, from, from 1967 to 19... 19- Eighty-one. <laughs> I, I think I think issue one eighty-one was when he graduated. But like he was in college, he was in college for uh, easily ten years. Now, I think it's easy to say, oh, you know, it, there was storytelling, and it froze at this point. Now it may just be moving out of snail's pace. We, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I'm sure when he was in college for ten years, people just assumed that he would always be in college. Well, then also, you also have to deal with the fact that the Marvel Universe does age along with their characters, so I think at, one, at that point, the writers, even if they had intended for Peter Parker to be a college student all the time, they said, this doesn't work with our universe to keep him a college student all the time. Yeah, like, you know, he, he did have a coherent story, college, got married, um, had a baby on the way, and then, yeah, he, he, he has been kind of stuck since that development, because Marvel kind of backpedaled and, or, or just said, you know, uh, we don't know what to do with him. One other, like, uh, in the, the first issue of, of ASM Volume 3, Dan Slott inserts there, like, you know, he got bitten by the Radio for Spider 13 years ago, which, uh, if you go by my estimation, is a few years off, but let's not, let's not be pedantic about it <laughs> on our Dragon Ball Z podcast. <laughs> uh, I'd heard the 13 years thing also uh, in regards to Fantastic Four, like, that they had oh, really? the Fantastic Four 13 years ago, which pretty much means the Marvel Universe started 13 years ago. So that would put him at being, what, 28? Yeah, right about 28. I mean, personally, I, I probably should admit this, but what the hell. Personally, I, I put his age, if you go by like, certain sagas and stuff, at like age 30 or 31. And I know Marvel, like, you know, will crap themselves if he's anywhere outside of the 20s. But, you know, it's 20, 28, they could be worse. If they said he was 25 years old, I would just, like, call BS. Yeah, I've, I've always, that was the number I threw out when I was a youth. Like, youth, again, you know, when I was younger. Uh, I just, I kind of... Did some maths in my head and was like, yeah, 28. You know, that's. I think that's a good age for him to still be considered a young hero and still be experienced enough that you know he's not he's not making rookie mistakes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And he, and he still, you know, I, I still imagine him as being significantly younger than than other heroes in like Iron Man and Captain America. I was talking about this with my brother the other day that like you know you have characters like Cyclops and Daredevil. Who are, are easily in their thirties, and who were all—I mean, Daredevil was an adult, but like you know, Cyclops was a teenager when he first premiered. So you can't have Spider-Man be that young because it just doesn't jive with a lot of the other characters. Yeah, but say that would make sense. In theory, shouldn't he be a peer of Cyclops? And Cyclops, I think, is portrayed as older than him now. I think Cyclops is because I remember the, the X-Men graduated like high school in issue five or whatever. Um, but like at the same time, you know, they were teenagers. They were on the same age group, so like you, you can't have them like you know. You can't. You, you can never have a, uh, a comic where Cyclops treats Spider-Man as a kid. That would just be absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Now I think that he's he may, he may be written older, but I think he's yeah he's supposed to he should be around the same age. Mm-hmm. Him, Beast. Now I do think Beast is written more as a peer, even though he's accomplished more uh, than than Spider-Man has. But yeah, I you know I it's it's interesting the fact that 
how he's written. Because I think if the Marvel movies, Marvel movies show you anything, you can have a 50-year-old Iron Man, and it still work completely fine. I know. Well, if, you know, let's be honest, you don't really, really need uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, uh, smoking hot abs and for, <laughs> for, for, for the character of Iron Man who wears a suit of armor. Yeah, and then you, you have a character like Captain America, played by Chris Evans, who I think is in his mid-30s at, at most. He's about maybe 30s, early, yeah. Yeah, early 30s, mid-30s. That's a 15-year age gap almost. They're not necessarily peers, but it works. He's supposed to be older. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it works fine. You know, like I still believe that Captain America can can lead Tony into battle. Like, so yeah, you don't have to be beholden to these these ages necessarily. I know it's this current generation of uh, editorial uh, editors at Marvel, which editors kind of you know, come and go. So every now and then, you will probably have, a, have an editorial group that won't put so much stock into it. Hey, but at least they're not as bad as DC. Don't even get me started. <laughs> Batman, five Robins, five years. Oh, God help me. Or six Robins. I don't. I don't. Moving on. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to crack if you, if you keep on talking. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna poke that that sleeping lion there. Oh dear. And were it all to come to an end someday, Marvel could still make money the same way manga or literary works like Sherlock Holmes do. That is to say, a constant reprint or re-releases of the series at large. And let's face it, there's a lot more Spidey content to reprint than there is most mangas or literary canons. Mm -hmm. Additionally, Spider-Man himself is internationally no, more, no mere pop culture fad. Like Sherlock Holmes, James Bond, Superman, and Batman, he is kind of a part of the furniture at this point, and will remain relevant even if the series ends and there were no more Spider-Man comics. At the very least, it wouldn't hamper further media adaptations. I agree. Um, yeah, I agree. I, agree. Yeah, I don't have much, much thoughts beyond that, but I, I, I would agree with that sentiment. I mean, no one's saying, they're making another Sherlock Holmes adaptation? <sighs> we haven't gotten a new book in 80 years. We're not being inundated with that. We're, we don't see uh, Sherlock Holmes birthday balloons or anything like that. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe the Benedict Cumberbatch version. <laughs> Which I would buy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I you know I do think that's a good point because you got to look at like your average person. Your average person say they you know they go to like a Target. Oh hey, a Spider Man shirt. We buy that. That doesn't necessarily mean that they read the Spider Man comic books. I don't think the comic books have to remain in print to keep the character relevant. Like movies, action figures, you know, TV shows. That stuff is what kind of keeps it in the public eye. I'm not saying I'm not saying the comments shouldn't be still written because I I do think they should. Yeah, I I, I I do think they should be. Although, I think in this day and age, uh, I don't know how long comics are going to last much longer, and they don't need to last for the characters to last necessarily. But I think that like a lot of, a lot of times the comic books themselves are kind of kept extremely stubbornly to a point where like I I like I do wonder what could happen if comics ended besides like you know rise in the streets. Do you think that that medium as a whole, like that art, that uh, that media type, the sequential artwork, you know, storytelling, will die out with comic books, or do you think they'll just go digital slowly and then maybe morph into something else, some some other? Well, I don't think that like the uh, motion comic or something. I don't think ever like like the sequential storytelling that that comics employ will die out as a storytelling device or a, or maybe even a medium. I think the industry more so than anything else is in trouble. I mean, it's, 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 it's maintaining 
But, like, you know, there's always the numbers. There's always the sell numbers, which, you know, there are, there are those that sell great, and they're, like, you know, the overwhelming majority that don't sell as great. I agree. And I, I think it's a lot like people, you, you know, iTunes and, and music services has made all music pretty much digital now. But you still have people who go out and buy albums, buy CDs, who like having physical copies. I could see if comic books died out as a media still getting reprints when the new movie came out. Like, hey, here's a book of Spider-Man stories, you know, just for the diehards, the people who still want them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the essentials in uh, Masterworks may live on. Yeah, and I, I think I think digital will be around for a long while, uh, if when they do finally, when that becomes the most pre- prevalent form. I I would agree. Uh, we we don't use cash as much as you know. We pay for cards and stuff. We buy things online. We buy iTunes online. So I think that like, that's sort of the way of the future. Yeah, and I have no problem reading uh, digital comics, and I've got a pretty good collection of comics. I I enjoy having them physically in my hand, but. Digital's great. I mean, like, I mean, the way, that, especially the way that the apps kind of have them uh, uh, go sequentially. Exactly. Yeah, that is. That's. I think that's the killer feature that will get people into. Because I know me when reading comic, like I have to concentrate not to peek, not to like look at the next panel. I know. One, one of the and, worst examples of that is Hush, where like the big bad guy is like uh, revealed on the next page, and like you just mm-hmm. get through the, thir- the left page to kind of get through the text. And I think that would, and that would, uh, that would probably put a handy, you know, take a handicap after, off the artist, like drawing something in, you know, with page count and splash pages in mind. Like, okay, we'll put this in the middle of the book, so it's nice and flat. We'll put this at the next page, so it won't get spoiled. Some comics I bought on digital that I've already owned just to see how some of the more dramatic elements will be seen on digital, like like Frank Miller's Daredevil. Like if you buy like one eighty one, The Death of Electra, that climactic fight with Bullseye. Which totally relies on imagery. It's so it's really awesome digitally. We're like like panel by panel by panel. Yeah, I bought uh, I bought Old Man Logan there, and it was it was nicely done. Like it was just, just the way the panels were laid out, and I think it adds you know adds uh, some new flair to an older medium. And if you have, if you have like a tablet, even like a even you can buy a, you can go out and buy a sixty dollar tablet now, and it's plenty of screen size mm-hmm. to to go out and just read comics on. All you have to do is touch one of the corners, and you'll turn the page. It's it's great. Like, I really enjoy it. And if the prices go down, it'll out, it'd be really solid. I know Marvel offers a service. I think like, pretty much like a Netflix service. You pay monthly, and you can stream, or you can download and read so many issues of one of the book of some of their books. Uh, I think they have like ten thousand books up now. They obviously don't have the, their whole collection, but they have a good number. Yeah, yeah. Marvel's Marvel's been killing with digital. That's kind of how I, I bought. I think the majority of their modern books now, the ones that I care to read. Anyway, I don't know. I guess when it comes to Spider-Man, and maybe Marvel generally, I I just really don't think the illusion of change mentality many people subscribe to actually works from a creative point of view. Beyond that, my two cents on the whole secret identities thing is that it's still relevant to comic book characters, but I have a problem with movies abandoning it to an extent. But as for the whole Civil War unmasking thing, once it led to some good stories... I think it was incredibly detrimental to the franchise in the long run, and even as a, at, at the tender age of 14 back in 2006, I thought it was an asinine idea. Anyway, I don't want to send you guys another essay. I think we did the essay this time. So I'll end it there and sign off by saying thanks again. Uh, I have to disagree. I don't think the unmasking was detrimental. Uh, I, I think it was actually a move forward. 
I thought that, like, the I would prefer it not to be in such contemptuous times, like, you know, him running from the law and him not knowing who to trust and stuff. I, I would have enjoyed it being a bit more of Spider-Man's organic storytelling. Um, I don't think it was it was awful, but I think that, like, it was one of those stories where I, I would prefer to see it in a different setting than Civil War. Yeah. Just just, just by the nature of what was going on at Civil War at the, in the Marvel Universe at the time. But, um, I mean, I don't think anybody thought that was going to last. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I Civil Civil War um, is the story that got me back into reading comics monthly. Uh, not to say that like, it's, a, it's a great a story. I, I do think it is entertaining. Uh, I, also, I'll defend it to an extent, but I also understand the issues with it. I understand, like, the mentality behind it. But, it, you know, it, I'll have a soft spot because it did get me back into reading it. Just the hype, you know, behind it. Whose side are you on, all that, like... I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go in and buy this monthly. And it got me back into the universe as a whole. And, and I think Spider-Man Unmasking was a big hook on that, you know, a big hook for that. Like, it, it did get – I guess I did buy into the illusion of change for that. But I do think we got some good stories out of it. So I don't think it was completely un, uh, a, a waste, I guess. Yeah, pros and cons. I think. <laughs> I mean, what, what, it le- what it led to was disastrous, but uh, yeah, I, I don't oh, want to yeah. risk risk the uh, the sewer that is like you know Spider Man post two thousand eight talk. <laughs> I I agree completely. So thanks, Alex, again for another awesome email. Uh, as usual, Alex. Absolutely. Alex, uh, does, Alex does good stuff. It's one of my favorite emailers. Uh, but now we go back. We return to the classic uh, next dimension emailer and Daniel Yarrow once again. <laughs> I'm sure everybody's like, what the heck? Um, Daniel writes, "Hello, once again, Jesse and Donovan." And again, because of the typical nature we record these, I'll probably uh, nickel and dime some of these emails because he has interesting points about our last coverage. What man? With all these extra episodes you guys have been putting out lately, I feel like I've been always been playing catch up. But that is a good problem to have, and I'm all for any time you guys come up with more episodes, even when the content isn't necessarily DBZ-related. It's just fun to, to listen to the discussions and always take part in them, at least when I get my lazy butt off to write an essay long, an essay long email. You guys glossed over the, in the synopsis, but I think that early, this early in the battle, Majin Buu just demonstrated his greatest ability next to his invulnerability, and that is his, copy, his, his tendency to copy any move that he sees. It's kind of overlooked because there are a lot of moves and techniques that characters copy from each other, but Buu takes it to the extreme by having absolutely no limit to it. If he sees someone do an attack, he can do it too. Um, real quick, I don't exactly remember him doing that in last month's coverage. I know he will. Okay, thank you, because I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember him doing that in, like, during when his fight against Vegeta. I, I, he will do that, spoilers. But um, I don't remember that, that coming up, but eh, who cares? <laughs> Sold it at first. I always had a problem with Gohan's fight with Boo here. For one, it feels very blinking you miss it, and the fact that they keep cutting to Goku and Vegeta, which still has more of the audience's attention, makes the whole scene, scene, whole scene seem much less important than it really should be. But what always bothered me more and more than the fight itself was how everyone fights off Gohan as being dead after that. Okay, so you guys don't sense his energy, and the bad guys are saying they killed him. Do you not remember what world you live in? No one is dead when they appear to be. None of you actually saw him get killed. <laughs> None of you are hearing anything about his ghost in the next dimension. So stop just accepting it and being like, oh, well, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, Piccolo and Vegeta had some nice reactions to hearing the news, but do you think that after all this time, they would know that just because they, can, they can't sense their energy doesn't mean you should believe they're dead? I mean, is this just me, or do you guys always accept the idea that Gohan is dead a little too easily? Let's say that for when we get into the episodes, I think, because I kind of want to come back to that. Um, he goes to talk. To, he, he enjoys a bit of Gohan, Goten, and Trunks with uh, Piccolo and the statues. And uh, now let's talk about the big topic of your episode, Vegeta's sacrifice. 
I gotta say, it's actually hard for me to accept this as Vegeta's turning point, and I def- definitely do not see him as a hero here. Even though he says this is for the Bulma and Chunks and Kakarot, when I look back at all of it, honestly it's a selfish act because he did not have to kill himself to stop Boo. Goku was still just lying around on the ground, unconscious in a state that he put him in just so he could face Boo alone. Vegeta could have escaped with the others and re- regrouped with Goku. Vegeta could have accepted Chunks and Goten's help and tried to protect it together. There were other options, but Vegeta chose to go all out by himself and try to kill Boo by killing himself. Now, this could be explained as him feeling responsible for the whole mess, which he is, and tries to take responsibility for his mistake. At the same time, he's being completely selfish and egotistical by saying no one can do this but him, and even when he knows there are others who can help, he is taking an option because that is not even that, that he doesn't even know for sure will work, and when it doesn't, there is nothing he can do about it because he is dead. Vegeta is also taking the, an option that completely removes him from having to face any repercussions for the actions he has made. He doesn't have to explain to Chunks or Bulma the idiotic decision he made. He doesn't have to face all the people he's killed or their families and loved ones. He doesn't have to say, sorry for all this killing, but I just really, really, really want to fight Goku. That's not being heroic, in my book. That's cowardly. Now I admit that maybe just me reading too much into it. And I think the sentiment that Toriyama is trying to get from the story is much like you guys had felt about it. But to me, the whole Majin Vegeta arc is just a frustrating act to watch because of his pure selfishness that is Vegeta. And every explanation given for those actions just comes, to, comes down to prideful stupidity. That's what I get from it, at least. What do you say about that, Jesse? You know, I, I never looked at it. I, I don't look at it that way. Like, I look at it as he fights Majin Buu alone because he doesn't want anybody else to – he doesn't want anyone to risk, risk anyone dying. Mm-hmm. You know, he said he, do, he does it for Trunks and for Boma. He assumes he's killing himself, that that will stop him, and that that's the only way that can stop him. So he doesn't want to bring someone else into the battle and risk their life. Like, I think he, he, he's pretty much doing the same thing he would do for selfish reasons, but not for selfish reasons. Like, yeah. he, in the past, he's wanted to fight him alone for this reason, and now he's fighting him alone for the right reason. That's, that's what I gathered. Which, I mean, ultimately, you could say that maybe he's just telling himself that. Mm-hmm. But I, I at least believe that that's what the character believes he's doing, and that's his intention. I think it's interesting because I think that like uh, what a lot of people tend to do is kind of look at Vegeta in the moment and of his character, and what Daniel sounds like he's doing is kind of taking Vegeta and putting him in a larger context of of, of uh, actions and consequences, which is fair. I think that like um, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily agree that he's kind of getting off scot free because he's ending his own existence and he and he's he, and he's been assured that like his existence will continue on where he's conscious and has his own body and fights Goku his existence will end and he won't be himself anymore and he won't he will completely cease to exist slash being hell um, so I think that that's a particularly tough thing to hear and decide to do it anyway I would actually kind of call that I would I would call that heroic. I think that, like, there is something to be said for, the, for like, you know, him removing himself from talking to Chunks and Bulma again, or the families of the people he killed, but I think... When, Particularly after just admitting that, he, you know, he, he does care about them. Yeah. And ultimately, you look at if, uh, you know, uh, what's considered the worst punishment for somebody who's committed a crime? Execution. And he's willingly going to that. You know, he's willing to go, he's willingly ending his life. Not necessarily as complete atonement for what he did, but you can look at it that way. I think that, like, um, it's him doing something that, with his power that's good as well as punishing him for what he's done in the past. Now, maybe that doesn't, doesn't begin to cover all the crimes he's committed in the past, but in terms of what the character means to the other characters and what the character means to us, I, I, I still really enjoy it. I really do. I don't, 
I'm not. I, I, I just. <laughs> I'm just not that bothered by Vegeta's actions here because they feel a lot more earnest than they have in the past, and they feel that they're a lot more. They're a lot more honest with who the character is and like the changes that that are made to the character, i.e., becoming good and all that stuff. Feel organic. As well, as well as being different enough that, that they mean something. So I'm sorry to know. I, I don't really. I'm not really. I, I'm not really with you being uh, annoyed by it. All the Majin Vegeta arc. Yeah, Daniel. I think we we both disagree with you on this point. Uh, but feel free to write back in and give us your rebuttal. Do our rebuttal of yeah, your. Yeah. Please, please don't, <laughs> please don't stop listening. <laughs> yes, please, Daniel. You're our biggest fan. Oh, uh, he continues. All that being said, the scene is wonderfully done. The animation and voice acting for it is just great, and it's no wonder that one of the biggest moments in the series. I may not agree with the motivations or the characterization behind it, but the moment could not have been done better. Anyway, I think this email is a little shorter, or not, uh, I've kind of lost sense of what is long and what's short of these emails, so feel free to continue to trim me for time when you need to. I did more than trim. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you don't mind. I, I'm looking forward to your next episode as the threat of boot continues in what I think are aspects of the saga that Donovan hates to start the show. But at least we don't have to wait 10 months for the next episode like we did when these aired in America. That is true. I forgot about that. Until next time, guys, remember that you can only punch children in the gut when they look like your mortal enemy who you just can't beat. Sincerely, Daniel Yarbrough. Thank you very much, Daniel. And our final email in this, the first 90 minutes of our episode is from a, a new emailer. We, we always enjoy those. Uh, someone named Lance Laster. He starts off, Hey, guys. First off, I have to say that I really enjoy the podcast. I've been listening since the very first episode, and it's nice to be a part of good, intelligent Dragon Ball discussion. I'm, I'm very happy that you consider it good, intelligent Dragon Ball discussion. I, I try to strive to, to be coherent with sentences. I, I like talking good. <laughs> Last month's episode featured discussion on some of my favorite moments in the show, and I felt now was as good as time as any to put in my two cents. My favorite character in DBZ is Vegeta, and in my opinion, he is the most developed character in the series. The episodes and moments you covered in last month's episode were, were and are some of the best in the entire series. However, do you think that Vegeta's death is in any way cheapened by the events that happened pretty much right after his sacrifice? I mean, you have this epic end to a major character that yields very little once Boo pops right back up. Also, I think at this point, at this point in the show, where it starts, this is the point in the show where it starts to lose focus. In, I, in my opinion, it kind of drags on from here until the end, and the stakes never change. Yes, we get to see the other major characters achieve a new level of power. Sorry for the spoilers, Jesse. It's all good. But they're, they're kind of all for naught. They have no real impact on the final outcome other than they were cool. Anyway, thanks for taking the time to read my Zemo. I normally don't write into podcasts I listen to, but I felt the need to prompt some discussion on the topic. I look forward to hearing what you guys think. Uh, well, I have to say, thanks, Lance, for uh, for emailing in. Uh, it's a very good email, so keep them coming if you feel so inclined, man. Absolutely. Yeah, please. We'd love to add, add you to the roster of uh, regular emailers. Um, it's interesting because we, like, we talked about this earlier before he did the email, so let's completely ignore his question. <laughs> no, but, but, like, I mean, we can revisit it. Like, uh, as much as we loved Vegeta's sacrifice, the fact that Boo virtually is unharmed, it, it, it pretty much it's like nothing happened, Does do you think in any way possible that cheapens the moment in any way whatsoever? Um, potentially, but it, it doesn't I don't really feel that too much because we do still get to see the aftermath of his sacrifice. We get to see the characters struggle with that. 
which I thought was a pretty good touch. Now, we get to see his son react to his father dying. His wife, or girlfriend, whatever they were, at this point, <laughs> sac- sacrifice, or, you know, her reaction. And even, even his friends. Piccolo, you know, of all people, gives him a eulogy, pretty much. So, I think, while it may be cheapened, we still get enough payoff to that, that I think it it works. I think that, like, one could argue that it's cheapened in that, like, there's no real effects besides the fact that, like, well, I guess we can't beat Boo after all. But that doesn't make the moment any less enjoyable. So if you want to use the term cheapened, I think, I think you're invited to based off of how the story plays out. But that doesn't automatically mean this moment isn't as as awesome as I like to make it think because ultimately it accomplishes nothing. I think that, like, that's ultimately not what it's about. It's more about Vegeta and his character rather than effectively killing Boo and ending the story arc, even though I may have said otherwise. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that... Uh kind of pick back what you were saying. It is about the moment. And I don't think what we saw before is affected by what comes after it because what what, what I liked about what we saw was in that moment itself. It, it, it wasn't contingent upon him, you know, killing Boo and saving the day. It was contingent upon him wanting, you know, him wanting to save the his family, the world, and his motivations. So I would use, the, I'd, I'd say that it, affects it and puts it in another context, but it doesn't necessarily cheapen it. I would, I would agree. And it's, I mean, it's interesting because, like, I mean, I, I think we did this last time, but how would you compare this to, I'm pretty sure actually you asked this last time, I just don't remember. How would you compare this to child suits? I think those are highly comparable sacrifices and, like, you know, highly comparable results. I, you know, I think the child suit thing, people just don't care about it as much as the Vegeta one, probably because Vegeta's a better character, but, like, in terms of, like, I guess that would be the thing because Vegeta's a bit more of a fleshed-out character than child suits is, um... I don't think you asked me that before. Uh, well, well, you know, remembering that Chao Chu attached himself to Nappa and blew, I remember that, blew yeah. up. <laughs> and um, it did absolutely nothing. And Krillin says, Chao Chu died for nothing. Um, how would you compare that to Vegeta blowing himself up? Uh, he does blow Boo up, but, but we see that that doesn't affect Boo as much. And that kind of. Um, I, think, I think Krillin actually says in the manga, Vegeta died for nothing. <laughs> Again, as a sketch. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. Coming, I'm not familiar enough with Chaozu. Like he, he was from Dragon Ball, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, okay, yeah, yeah. That's what I say. I thought he was. So I wasn't as attached to that character as I've come with Vegeta. I, I didn't get to see the full extent of where his characters came from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition, I think Vegeta's motivations for that were a little more fleshed out. Just, just because you know we we got into his head as to why he's doing that. Chaozu, already a good character, it didn't have as much resonance to, with me. And now the actual you know, attack itself, or you know, actual the way the scene was depicted, Vegeta's is just better. It's, it's shown to be more visceral, more powerful. And Chaozu, he, he he blew up into pink dust, man. Come on. Wait, how about that? <laughs> um, I, I, I would say that like Chaozu's sacrifice, while while a good scene. Vegeta's disposal of the fact that, like, Vegeta was, was way, way, way more of an intense villain and memorable character than Chaozu was. So it means more based on how familiar the audience is with, with Vegeta. So, yeah, I, th- I think you're having, you know, having, being familiar with Dragon Ball, you're more qualified to kind of make that comparison than I, than I am. But just from a Dragon Ball Z perspective, it, the, 
yeah, Vegeta's is much more epic and well done. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not really of the mind to denigrate the lower-end characters like Chao Tzu, Yamcha, or Tien. Or, no, no, Chao Tzu, Yamcha, or Krillin. I like them. But, like, you know, just I think when you compare that to that moment, it's uh, it's pretty clear which one stands above the other. And um, I believe that's the last email, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm just looking up. That that was Lance's email. So, once again, thanks, Lance, for writing us in. Thanks to all the guys, all the, the usual crew for writing in for us. Next up, we have uh, two Facebook comments since I put a call out for any questions from the page. <clears throat> First one is from Cedric Tripp. He says, was wondering your guys' opinion on the Z Fighters. I find most of them extremely unlikable. Uh, since it's a, it's a pretty generic com- uh, question, I'll just say on the whole, yeah, I, I do like them. Uh, I think each of them have their own character quirks. You know, Yamcha's a bit of an arrogant bastard. Uh, TN is much more, you know, not recl- I guess reclusive, but more you know, serious-minded martial artist. Kind of, kind of the stereotypical like monk. I do think that their friendship kind of shows through. They're not necessarily like the family unit, but looking back at the beginning of the series, I, I can kind of imagine these as guys that would hang out together, a group of friends. Mm-hmm. And then obviously as you progress, even Piccolo and Vegeta they're they're never named or they're you know never like roll called but you get the idea that they are part of these z fighters like they're part of the core group and it just feels wrong when, when like some of them are missing besides chow Tzu, because we forget about him <laughs> pretty much um yeah no i mean i almost never like well maybe dragon ball but it all started as jerks um one thing I know that like I've I've kind of discovered in doing this podcast is like the supporting cast and like the the, the characters that aren't Goku basically are really entertaining. I mean Krillin's a great character to follow. He's probably one of the most relatable characters in the entire series. And like I feel like based on him, kind of it's a barometer of how much you enjoy the characters that aren't the main characters. Um, and I do like the original Dragon Ball team. And I kind of like I always love when they appear, even Yamcha. <laughs> I, I, I really do. And like um, I remember uh, I mentioned before getting a bootleg copy of the Cell Games uh, way before I had any idea what they were. And I was I was jazzed that Yamcha and Tien were still main fighters in that arc. And I actually said, hey, where's Jiaotsu? <laughs> Why isn't he in the Cell Games? Isn't he hard enough to fight Cell? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I enjoy the characters. I mean, like, I mean, again, we'll probably hit up the list of our favorite characters at the end of the series. But um, uh, at this point, I'm not sure if I've always said I have any characters I don't like that are main characters. I had a question, and I completely forgot it. Oh, well. Damn. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so, his second question is from Jordan Cruz. You're going to have to hit this one up. you have to answer this one, because I don't quite understand what it's referring to, but... Have you read DBZ Multiverse, and oh, do yeah. you like it? What's DBZ Multiverse now? Well, it's funny you ask, Jesse. Is it DC's take on DBZ? DBZ Multiverse is a fan-made comic that's actually, the art style is very much like a character comic, so it's actually very well done, in which the Z Fighters at the end of the, at the end of Dragon Ball Z are kind of like called into like this gigantic, uh, tournament, where they fight alternate versions of themselves. Like, they, like, like, what if Goku, uh, never went on Earth and like lived life as a Saiyan amongst the other Saiyans? What if um, Krillin became a monk, like, or not a monk, but like, you know, Krillin became an old martial arts master like Master Roshi? 
what if <laughs> Cell defeated the Z Fighters? Like there are different versions of, of like you know different what if uh, scenarios of the of the arc, and I kind of take on all those characters like later on and, and fight them. So I mean, I, I remember I remember when I first super it was actually pretty pretty cool. It's pretty much like a gigantic fight comic, and I've I've since I've fallen behind in the last couple of years. I think that like uh, I've not read it since like around the time uh, we started our podcast. But um, which comic? Is it an ongoing comic? Yeah, as far as I'm aware, it, it, it had been ongoing. It, it, I'm, I'm not sure if it stopped or if it's uh, faded off or anything yet, but it's a long-running series for these like, kind of like what-if fights. It's very interesting. Hmm, sounds pretty fun. I may have to check that out. Yeah, I, I remember I just, what I was going to say now. Oh, go ahead. It's completely irrelevant, but did you know that the uh, six dots on Krillin's head are burn marks? Oh, yeah, you're talking about like, that, that list that you saw that you sent me, like, you know, yes. the stuff you don't know about DBZ. Yeah, they are instance marks because uh, Krillin... As you first said, he he comes from a monastery. He he used to be a teenage monk, uh, which is why he was so desperate to get a girlfriend all these years. And um, when you, when you first see him, he's dressed as a monk. And in the first tournament in Dragon Ball, he uh, is getting hassled by these bully monks who don't like him. <laughs> uh, and um, Krillin gets stronger, and he you know shows him up. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's, awesome. that's also why he was bald for some years, which is why he grows his hair out later on. Because uh, I don't know why that's the one that stuck with me. You know, Krillin, the Japanese, his his actual Japanese name is trying to impress it right. Kurdin is spelled. Um, it's spelled K U R I R I N, and it's it's a Japanese term for chestnut, as in chestnut head. So that's <laughs> that's Krillin explained. So, so that's another pun on Toriyama's pun. Yeah, I'm not sure which character doesn't have a pun in the name, to be honest. Besides, yeah, I was I was explaining on the way home today. I was explaining to my girlfriend the names of some of these characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, yeah, so this character's name is Bulma Brief, and her son is Trunks. Yeah, and Bulma is, is like is like a is uh, uh which is a pronunciation for bloomers, which is a form of girls' underwear. Uh, she responded with, "Please tell me there's a character named Banana Hammock." <laughs> and I was like, y- you know, baby, I really wouldn't be that surprised. You know what? What does Zarbon mean in Japanese? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I don't want to know. Oh dear me! Awesome. Uh, so yeah, those are the two Facebook comments. Uh, thanks, and you know, I'm, I'll try to do that again to recording, so, so anybody can get the last minute comments in, not necessarily have to email. But so I, I enjoy them, guys. Thanks. Yeah, because I like guess. Of people who uh, email in have uh, joined the Facebook page and vice versa. So we have a lot of we have we have the, uh, 1,500 people on our Facebook page who uh, may, may want to be interested in uh, asking us questions. So please, yes. Don't get into me. is a tall ship and a star to steer by. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. Engineering division ready, as always. Your mind to my mind. Laddie, don't you think you should rephrase that? Your thoughts to my thoughts. I'll either choke me or cut my throat and make up your mind. Change the laws of physics. Nothing must be destroyed. We tried to destroy it once before, Commodore. The result was a wrecked ship and a dead crew. Doctor, you are a sensualist. You bet your pointed ears I am. Live long and prosper. I am the guardian of forever.
The Edge of Forever, a continuing look at the Star Trek universe, coming to Earth2.net and iTunes in May. I've got news for you, kid. I eat punks like you for my morning breakfast. Dragon Ball Z now continues. No. Are you sensing what I'm sensing, Piccolo? Vegeta's energy signal has completely disappeared. He's gone. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to go check things out over there on the battlefield. Take care of these two, would you? I'm going to. I'd like the chance to pay my last respects. Nothing personal, but I'd rather go alone. Huh? I gotcha. Yeah, Boo might still be alive. I don't think so, but there's no sense in taking any chances. Here, make sure nothing happens to them, okay? Don't worry, I'll, I'll take care of them. Just be careful, okay? I will. Oh, yeah, one more thing. Huh? I'm going to have to ask you to do something, Krillin, and it's not going to be easy. I can do it. What is it? Tell the others about what happened here today. Right, but what do you mean? What should I say? I'm not sure what happened to Goku. He may still be around, but apparently Gohan was killed by Majin Buu. Gohan? Wait! Wait, are you sure? I'm afraid so, Krillin. I heard Vegeta say it before he died. <laughs> Go now. I'm counting on you. Hey! Wait! Piccolo! How am I supposed to... <laughs> oh, great. Why me? That's not fair. I'd much rather fight Boo. And we're back. Last time on Dragon Ball Z, Vegeta blew himself up. Whoops. <laughs> um, interestingly enough, at this point, we cut back to the Dragon Ball team, uh, plus their newcomer, Videl, and they're flying the Castle Core jet. They're on their way to find the Dragon Balls because the last thing that they, they remember seeing was Vegeta killing the people at the tournament. And Bulma's like saying, why would Vegeta do that? I don't understand. Something's really wrong. But yeah, you know, researching her. Hey, don't worry about the ex-girlfriend. Well, I'm sure uh, once <laughs> we get the Dragon Balls, everything will be okay. But then at that point, uh, everyone in the jet feels a huge wind and burst of energy, and they see far away an explosion. But they don't know what's going on. And uh, Master Roach is like, something's wrong. I, I can feel it. And, but what is it? And Bulma's like, something's wrong. My heart. Where is Vegeta? What's happened to Vegeta? Why do I suddenly feel so e uneasy? And um, funny that, because when we go back to the b battlefield where Boo and Vegeta were blown up, we see a gigantic like crater and lightning striking everywhere, and uh, we see the remains of Vegeta. <laughs> um, for some reason, Vegeta is turned into, I know I say it a lot, but for some reason, really, Vegeta is uh, completely turned into stone. He is absolutely petrified. So I'm going to throw this out there. This, uh, Go right I'm ahead. Gonna, I'm, I'm coining this right now. WTOW. <laughs> Which means... What the... What the other world. For real. I don't... <laughs> I calcified Vegeta after he... Which he should, this should be no more. Maybe, maybe, maybe this happened at Childhood so we never saw it. <laughs> like, I, I saw this and I was like, wait, wait did Sarbon spit on him at some point? Oh yeah, or uh, Deborah. Oh, Deborah. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. The last thing we see of Vegeta, and we see that his clothes are torn and all that kind of stuff. 
he he has this like kind of like you know he has this very interesting shock look on his face. He's frozen in the air as as a statue, falls to the ground, and uh, as he crushes on the ground, the wind blows him away, and we never see him again. <laughs> uh, the end of that character. <laughs> um, <laughs> the next panel in the manga that I'm reading has uh, Piccolo and Krillin like like you know Vegeta's gone. I don't see his energy. So Piccolo says. All right, I'm going to go back to the battlefield and see if there's anything left to, to, to uh, any trace of Vegeta or, or uh, Boo, although I don't sense their energies. So he hands Krillin, Goku, and Trunks and says, take care of them. By the way, um, I have no idea where Goku is, but I heard Vegeta say it. Gohan was killed by Majin Buu, a phrase people will say over and over again throughout the, throughout the arc. And Krillin's like, Gohan, no, oh no, my little buddy. So um, uh, Piccolo flies back to the battlefield where the crater is, and uh, his, there's no trace of Vegeta or Boo left. Vegeta has saved us all. What? What's this over there? What's that sound? And he walks over to a small crater, and what does he find, Jesse? Ah, yes. A half of Bobbity. Bobbity somehow survived. Uh, not only did he survive being bifurcated, he survived that huge explosion. I know. WTOT? <sighs> like W-T-O-W, I guess? Yeah, like, like, okay, maybe a barrier spell, but it was not shown to be that strong. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll get back to that. Now, yeah, when I was watching this, I was like, my thought was, oh, yeah, Bobby, wait, Bobby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I personally was happy that Bobby was alive. Right. And I even told my girlfriend, I was like, yeah, this guy's still alive. And I'm like, man, Donovan is going to be pissed. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but um, but before uh, Piccolo can react, can react how Donovan reacts. Um, there at this point there are a lot of like little like uh, entrails and like you know vestiges of Boo's body, like little pink globs all over the place because he's blown to bits. But they all start moving and forming to each other, uh, forming together. And at one point they all start into like you know dozens and dozens of Majin Boos. Holy crap! So they surround Piccolo. They all. Uh, fly towards uh, one uh, single point, and they all start fusing together and forming, you know, Majin Buu as he regenerates. Piccolo's like, oh my god, oh no, no! So he books, he, he flies as far as possible as Buu uh, regenerates and says, boo! He kind of just flies around and says, ha ha, <laughs> I'm still alive, Paul. He doesn't say that, but that's how it is. Um, <clears throat> Bobby says, boo, please! Heal me. I know you can do it. Hurry, I'm about to die. Boo kind of, you know, wastes time a little bit, but he says, What are you ending for? Do you want to be sealed away? So uh, Boo, with his uh, banana tentacle on his head, uh, <laughs> puts him back together. So Bobby's a bit pissed off at the turn of events that happened because he was winning until Piccolo and Chunks and Goten showed up. He's like, those three will pay. Come on, Boo. Until we find him, let's kill everyone in sight. Piccolo flies towards Krillin, and Krillin's like, let me guess, he's still alive, isn't he? <laughs> we have only one choice. Let's head back to the uh, the lookout station and try to figure out what to do. We must keep Goten and Chunks safe. There are only hopes for the future. And at this point, uh, we see um, uh, one other person has somehow survived the explosion. The Supreme Kai, or as I like to say, Kaioshin. He's barely conscious uh, and bloody and sweaty and walking, walking slowly uh, miles across the battlefield saying, Go on. Go on. And as we see, Gohan's still knocked out uh, at a, a little forest area just away from him. Elsewhere, guess who else comes back? It's Goku! He wakes up from the knock Vegeta put on, his, on the back of his head and sees the empty bag of sensor beans. He says, Vegeta knocked me out. He went to fight Boo for himself. 
So he uh, closes his eyes, takes a deep breath, tries to sense things around, and uh, says, I feel bruised, Chi, but I don't see Vegeta's or Gohan's. What's going on? Piccolo and Krillin are back to life, though, so I guess I'll try to figure out what's going on from them. So he teleports. Krillin says, hey, Dende, can I bring my family up here if, if this is the safest place on the planet? And um, Vegeta says, oh, sure. <laughs> so um, while that's happening, they sense Goku's energy while he teleports to, teleports to the lookout station. Uh, or to the, uh, the Kami's lookout, I should say. Or Dende's lookout, I should say. So they tell him that, like, uh, Kaioshin, Vegeta, and Gohan are all, have all been slain by Boo. And um, they're pretty much out of options. Krillin says, well, Goku, you're still here. You still have time on Earth, so you can beat Boo by yourself. He says, no, I can't. Vegeta and I were completely equal in power. If he couldn't do it, I couldn't do it either. And I, I can't believe he's gone. I mean, if he were still here, we would have a chance. Because, like, oh, don't beat yourself up. No, no matter how many people we have, it wouldn't be enough to defeat Majin Buu. Because, no, that's not what I'm talking about. We would have been able to fuse, of course. Fuse, you know, fusion. Everyone knows about fusion, right? And then there's like, yeah, I know about fusion. And the viewers are like, what's fusion? And then Krillin says, what's fusion? So Goku says, I, I met these people in the afterlife, the, uh, the people from the planet Metamore. They showed me this technique. If you take two people with equal power and equal height, they can uh, do the technique where they can fuse into one person who's incredibly powerful, way greater than the sum of his parts. Huh? <laughs> so um, Goku says, I've never done it myself, but nobody was as strong as I was. But with Vegeta or Gohan, we would have had a chance. And then Mr. Popo says, what about the two children, Goten and Trunks? You're a genius, Mr. Popo. So they all resolve that Goten and Trunks will be the ones to fuse. Uh, before they uh, uh, wake them up and uh, tell them about it, they see the sky beginning to get dark. And they realize, oh no! Bomb and the others must have gathered the Dragon Balls to use them to resurrect the people that Vegeta killed. We must stop them! We must stop them from using the Dragon Balls at all costs! <laughs> How ironic. <laughs> for, for once. So Goku tries to sense Bulma's energy. Somehow he's having trouble sensing it right away because he didn't think to look at her house. Which <laughs> <laughs> is where they are now. Um, Derica, Derica. I know, exactly. And um, once again, the city surrounding Capsule Core is in awe of the dragon, like they were back when they uh, wished Jamsha the respect to life. So Videl's like, I can't believe this is happening. Dragon Balls? A gigantic dragon? What's going on? Uh, Bulma says, I'm not sure what to say. So Jamsha says, here, I know what to say. Uh, Eternal Dragon, Shenlong, Rubik, everybody who was killed today, except for the bad guys. That should do it. Uh, at that point, uh, we see everybody uh, brought back to life, including Kabito. Remember that guy? <laughs> yeah, he's back to life. How interesting. Dude, I completely forgot his name. <laughs> who can forget Kabito? That, mem- that memorable character who always saw all the time? <laughs> who was blown up like in five seconds. So he's, he's back. Um... Uh, at that moment, Goku teleports. He's like, "Damn it, Yamcha!" <laughs> he says, "I didn't make it in time. One of the wishes has always been uh, has already been used." Because remember, uh, at, uh, at this point, the dragon can uh, grant two wishes. So uh, Dende says, "Just tell the dragon uh, you don't need any more wishes, and we'll he'll be, he'll return in four months' time," which is news to me. So um, Goku says, "Hey, dragon, take take the rest of the day off." And Yamcha's like, "You want to explain what all that's about, Goku?" He said, I don't, have, I, don't, I don't have time to explain. Just come on. Come back with me to the lookout and I'll explain everything. And at this point, Kabito uh, uh, is like, I don't understand. I thought I was killed. Wait, where is, where is the supreme guy? And um, he assists his energy and flies towards him. He, he sees the, uh, Kaioshin just as he passes out and revives him with his healing power. Uh, Kaioshin says, there's no time to explain. We've, we've got to find Gohan before he's about to die. So they quickly fly towards him. And... Um, Computer says, I sense Majin Buu's energy. We're too late. All is lost. 
Not yet. I do not see what these super saiyans can do. We must find Gohan at all costs. So they find his body, and before they start to heal him, says, come on, Kabito, let's take him back to the Kaioshin's planet first. What? A human? And the sacred Kaioshin Kai? Not even the great Grand Kai Lord of Worlds is allowed there. And Kaioshin's like, yeah, I know. Let's do it. And, um, I think at this point we'll, uh, uh, break off for them because there, there's some filler we should probably get uh, talk about because these are long episodes. Uh, so Jesse, up to that point, uh, what were you thinking about the aftermath and the revival of uh, Kabito, the revival of uh, everybody? Yeah, pretty much everybody, yeah. Everybody who died except for Vegeta are, are back to life. <laughs> yeah, this was like this was this was like insta retcon. Like, all right, so, <laughs> boom, big explosion, so powerful, no one could survive it. Well, except these four characters. <laughs> the ones who were there, who could have died. Um, walk, walk me through it. Okay, um, first and foremost, uh, let's, okay, first and foremost, uh, let's just get this out of the way, Bobbity. I have a bit of a problem with this, I'm not going to lie. I don't see how he could have survived this. Uh, the the only thing I can really, yeah, think is his barriers, though. That's, I mean, he, and you could say, that, yeah, he's been shown to, Used that before, and it'd be pretty powerful. But in the state he was in, yeah, half a body. He said he had, he said he had one arm, no legs. He got Anakin basically, like yeah. Ugh. Like he says, "Hurry before I die." He was not in a state to protect himself. Yeah, and he doesn't look any worse for wear from the explosion, and he's in the crater, like. <laughs> And it's not even like a big crater where like he's deep underground. He's kind of like in like a little bit of a divot. <laughs> yeah, he was like, he like six inches under, like. How? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and, and you know what? Honestly, I, I, what the character does later on, I kind of get, but like ultimately, I don't know why he's here. Because, uh, uh, well, dude, dude I, I, I will, I will disagree there. I love Bobby. He okay? Fair enough. Fair enough. And he's a dick later on. I will give you that. No, no, no that, that's why I love him. He's such a dick, and he's just so annoying. I love to hate this guy. He's a vegetable dick too. He's like, he's like. He's like Screw those guys. Let's make them pay. Um, but I will say later on, like a part of mission later on, but he is particularly devilish later on. But um, I, I don't know why he's. How. Yeah, I, I did expect his involvement to be done by now. Just, just you know, yeah, because he was bifurcated and he, yeah, an explosion. There's no way this guy should be alive. That's why I played it like in the last episode. Was well, the end of Bobby because it's it's such a like like eye opener. Wait a minute. He's still alive? Like, he's still in the story? No explanation given. Not even, he didn't even, you know, throw a line like, oh, I used the last of my strength to do a spell. Yeah, that's even mentioned it. <laughs> even say, oh, by the way, this is how he's supposed to, like, Toriyama just has him there. Yeah, it's like he said, he healed him off and decided, oh, wait, I want him. Okay. So he's not dead. You know, that's probably exactly how it went. Like, he, he probably did have him, have him intend to die, and then he says, you know what, I have an idea for him. Let's, let me, let me, let me, BS his way back and give Boo healing powers. And well, and I, I think that maybe they needed him to be a mouthpiece for as you know the antagonist because Boo isn't really much of an antagonist. He's just like I said, you know, force in, force in nature. And also, yeah, Boo has healing powers. What? Granted, he's supposed to be a genie, I guess. So that it kind of makes sense. But when would he need to do that? I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I, that I roll with because he's a genie. We don't know his powers are. He, you know, he can do Kyblast. He can take off his gut or whatever. But it's awfully convenient at that moment to bring to heal a character who, by all rights, the story should be done with. Like, oh, boo! Use your healing power to, to heal me. Wait, what? <laughs> but 
I'm rolling with it, you know? It doesn't make me as mad as other things might, but I, I will say that, like, I think that, like, the fact that he is alive, I find to be, like, completely ridiculous. <laughs> just, just on the nature of how they presented that scene earlier. Um, conversely, Gohan's still alive, and yet everybody says, uh, you know, he's, 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 he's dead, Krillin. I don't sense Gohan. He said, to me, it, it kind of, it kind of reminds me of, if you ever played a, a fighting game where you are completely out of health, your health bar is empty, and yet somehow you're still walking around and you just need one more hit to kill you? Yes. It reminds me of that, where like, he's still around, but like, for some reason, he has no life energy whatsoever. But, but Kyoshi can sense him. I don't know. Yeah, maybe because he's closer. I don't know. And he's, he's more attuned to it. I don't know. But yeah, like, that's what I gathered, is that he's just, he's so weak that he's, if they really, really wanted, maybe they could locate his signal or whatever. But yeah, it's just so low that they they can't. But for all intents and purposes, they assume he's dead. Yeah, and like we get into it later on when um, the characters are, are told, which we'll cover in, in a bit. But like, uh, were you? I remember listening to Cause uh, and Shoot, and like they were kind of bothered the fact that like they kept on saying Gohan was dead, but he clearly wasn't in the story. We, the audience, know he's not dead. And that never bothered me beforehand. But I, then when I was watching these episodes. I didn't realize how many times they did that, where they kept on mentioning it, and it's like, well, no, he's not. You guys should just, you know, turn your head slightly to the left. <laughs> yeah, like, I think, I forget, you know, that's a trope I've heard is, us, you shouldn't be ahead of your characters, the audience shouldn't be ahead of the characters. Oh, yeah? And you, you, you are in this instance, you definitely are, because, yeah, we know he's not dead, and we don't need that much... Uh, you know, reformation that he's not dead. Like, okay, we get it. The characters think he is, and we get the reactions later. So it's kind of it's kind of overkill at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Um, I will say though that like uh, this initial bit where we see uh, kind of get the characters revived, and I do like the placing it has on the story. Like, like basically how it sets up the next part of the Bushaka, the next part of the series, where Vegeta's dead. But we we know he's dead. We saw it. We saw what happened to his body. <laughs> um, but Gohan is, you know, Gohan's discovered by Kaioshin, and they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, work with him. So they're dealing with Gohan. Uh, Piccolo, and then later on Goku are dealing with Goten and Trunks. I do enjoy that aspect that, like, on two ends, other people are working to fight Boo, and I say, you know, you have Goten and Trunks, like the new characters, and then you have Gohan, who is still in, like, you know, the main character bit. Mode. I like that aspect of it, of where the story is. What about you? I agree. Yeah, definitely. That you can't, you you never get the point that Gohan's story is over, or you never get the feeling that his story is over. Right. He's he's still an important bit, and like the most, arguably some of the most important characters in the in the, in the universe, like Kaioshin, are dealing with him. So I get the sense that like he. You know, it'll only a matter of time before he he comes back into the fight. Um, other 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 characters like you know we have Goku wake up, which is going to happen eventually. About time he woke up. Um, Kabito's back again. Like you know, would you argue that like okay, in some instances you one would think that like you know Babidi would be done. Kabito, uh, and I, I, I would say generally you know because uh, we see Kabito a bit later on. Just kind of speaking broadly, and, and you know with the other episodes in mind. What, do you have any reaction to his revival? Do you think it was worth, worth it to him, or what? Because he was arrived by the Dragon Ball, right? Yeah, he was legitimately brought back by the Dragon Balls, which is fair game. Because, yeah, like, they play it, or he plays it like he doesn't understand, which makes sense to an extent. But wouldn't this super powerful character know about the Dragon Balls? No, <laughs> you'd think, yeah, that's true. They know who Frieza is. Wouldn't he, like, just assume, hmm, okay, 
I'm brought back to life. That's within the Dragon Ball's powers. Uh, no, yeah, I could give or take this character, dude. Like, I, oh, yeah. later, later on, you know, he, he serves a purpose, I guess. He, he expounds on some stuff, but I completely forgot about him. Yeah, I, I, I was like, oh, yeah, it's that other guy with the Supreme Kai. And like, I'm sitting there thinking, like, man, I, what was his name? <laughs> Look everybody! Is it, don't you love him? <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, he he gets he gets douchey later. Like, uh, yeah, he was, yeah, like he's all subservient to Kai, but then questioning his everyone up. Like, yo, get, get in place. He really, like again, I'm kind of getting the hair but he really sides on Gohan a lot to the point. It's like, wait, 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 calm down, dude. What's your problem? <laughs> to me, the only reason he's he's brought back is, is Toriyama says I can use this moment to bring back this character to heal. Kaio shouldn't go on because they don't have any sense of beans. So it felt more like a like it was his entire character slash life is totally convenient for the plot. Yeah, once again, another character who can spontaneously heal people. <laughs> <laughs> hey! And not the last one we'll see. Oh, no, 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 no. Because Dende's still on the show. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, uh, he, he is kind of, like you said, a plot device. Like, okay, he can do this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I mean, like, I don't see any other, anything else than, like, you know, it's, and I'm not saying, like, you know, I don't like it because it's convenient for the plot, but I don't see any other reason for this character to be around other than it's convenient for the plot to have, uh, because was just, just, just fine talking to Gohan without, he didn't need any pink guy talking with him. Now, I will, I am fine with Kaioshin surviving the explosion just because he is supposed to be such a powerful character. That was another thing, like, yeah, like, because, uh, one thing that I didn't mention last time that, uh, the anime made kind of make a difference that, like, when, Boo, before, when he was fighting Vegeta and Boo did his big explosion that really hurt Vegeta, you actually see a panel where Kaioshin is blown all the way back. So, like, Kaioshin was out of the range, so, which is why he's closer to Gohan. But in the anime, you don't see that at all, and Piccolo thinks that Kaioshin is dead. But, uh, there is an explanation for Kaioshin surviving as opposed to Babaji. But, um, no, I agree. Yeah, at that end, he, he, as close as he is, he still looks farther away than Babaji, who was in, you know, ground zero of Vegeta. Absolutely. <laughs> He was, he was right there. Uh, he, I, 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 we saw him fall down, and then like, like Chunks, Vegeta, and Goten being fairly close to him. Where <laughs> <laughs> Vegeta blew himself up. But um, I, I, I like this aspect. I, I like again, like kind of like where the characters all are. You know, Goku's waking up. Goten and Trunks are about to look out. Krill and Piccolo are like, you know, okay, what are we, what are we going to do now? When they come back to Kaioshin, it's like, oh yeah, Kaioshin's a, a, he's a thing. And I like him, like you know, being the one guy in the series is like, you know, gotta find Gohan. He's the one person. So I like that bit of it. Yeah, like he he. They're all trying to you know save the world, but they all have their different their different methods of going about doing it. So they don't know it, but there are other they're they're not the only option. It kind of reminded me of um. I actually listened back to our uh, last movie special with Daniel that we recorded with. It kind of reminded me of what I mentioned about the Brawley movie, and that like there are a lot of characters off in their own kind of plots that eventually converge, and I really like that aspect. It kind of reminds me about that here, where you have Kaioshin, Goten, or Go- Kaioshin, Gohan, and Kabito, Babidi and Boo, Goku, Piccolo, Krillin, Dende, and the kids, and when my, when my, when my, when I'm about to bring up the Dragon Ball gang, find the Dragon Balls. Every, yeah, we're going to get to that in a second. But every, everybody is, is off doing their own thing, which sometimes I like and sometimes I don't like, and um, it depends on like the way in which it makes any sense. So, um, do you want to talk about uh, uh, that random episode of Dragon Ball that was inserted into this arc? Yeah. Um, two notes, I guess, on on that section before. Uh, Dende's character, voice actor, I, I really liked him. He he was understated. Oh, yes. And he legitimately, I, I, I guess something about the voice actor. He's older. 
performance, it, he, he sounds older, but he, he sounds the right age to, I guess, what, you know, Dende's supposed to be considering as an alien, but that he guy, sounds the right mix of age plus intelligence. That guy is actually, he's, he's played by Justin Cook, and Justin Cook, who also works for Funimation's, you know, production department and all that kind of stuff, he is a voice of Yusuke Yurameshi, who is the main character of Yu Yu Show, which is like, oh. uh, which I believe I'm not sure if it was the second dub that Funimation did, but it was like the the the, the next big dub that they did after DBZ that really made them popular, like you know, like the Chris the Bat guys and all that kind of stuff. Like okay. that was their big uh, uh, dubbing hit after DBZ, and he was the main character in that one. So he went on to better things. So I guess obviously other people thought he did good too. You know, oh, yeah, I think that when they started doing Yu Yu Show. They were in the Frieza slash Cell Saga, so I think that like by this time he had already been doing that. But I'm, I actually don't really remember, so I'm sure. Dan oh, okay. Email. I, I assume you you Haka uh, started afterward. I mean, maybe I'm thinking of another show. It, uh, well, we're talking about the, the dubbing of it. The, the series yeah. itself, I think, would have would have been had it started around this time or been around by this, maybe a year by this time. But um. Yeah, yeah, it was an interesting to yeah, I, to me it's, it's very clearly him like there's no real big difference besides but although he's not you know yelling yeah uh, he's not saying spirit bomb or spirit gun but um you know it's, it's very obviously him but, but it is a nice fit for that character and um he also was at a comic con 2011 with Chris Sabat talking awesome. uh you are showing DBC's dubs sweet uh my other note did you cover? Did we cover the boo destruction of the city? Um, that's right around the corner. Oh, okay. Um, well, because there, there's a nice artistic touch when he's plowing through one of the buildings that I I liked. It was it was different. It was almost like a flashback. But oh, you know, like the bit. I think this was in our, in our episodes where like they're kind of yellow shots. It's all kind of Dutch angley and like one of the yeah. Time. It kind of reminds me of like a security camera almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought it was a nice artistic touch. Also, uh, when Shinron appears. And this this happens pretty much every I guess every time he appears, but there's a specific shot of him speaking, and you have his body in the background pretty much as the background. That's what you see, and it's all moving. Every every section is moving like pretty much on different angles, looping around, and that's just such an awesome visual to have him speaking and then this entire character engulfing the entirety of of the angle of the lens and everything moving pretty much looking independently. That's just, I think that's something that's uniquely Dragon Ball, which mm. is something you can pretty much you can go, okay, that's Dragon Ball. Look at it. That's General on the Dragon. Yeah, so, <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's artistically distinctive of uh, this this world, which I think that like um, I think in terms of design wise, there's been a lot of like kind of recurring elements, but like this has been a lot more like you know Boo and Bobby are like what the heck are they? But they do still feel like Dragon Ball, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and uh, my last note, which will go into what we're going to speak about next, I believe. Uh, I really like these character beats coming up, but it seems uneven in pace. I would say, I would say the exact same thing, but re- re- replace the word pace with tone. That well, that too, yes, yes. And with that, let's get into this exciting episode of Dragon Ball. Okay, <laughs> I like to throw the sound around. Um. Now, I don't have, I, I enjoy a lot of the scenes with the characters, generally in the series. Um, and like, you know, some of it's in the, man- in the manga, like we do see, it's actually kind of interesting, I remember Kazuchi brought this up specifically, like, you know, the page immediately after Fujita kills himself, we see Boma responding, 
Why did Vegeta do that? Now, she's responding to him killing people at the tournament, but, like, the way the comic book has it presented, it's kind of like a thematic thing. Like, you know, he just his, he's just now killed himself, and Bulma's responding to that. Now, later on, she says, you know, I feel my heart breaking. What's going on with Vegeta? But it's an interesting kind of thing. That being said, like, uh, they're on the way to find the Dragon Balls, which I think makes sense. But we have an entire episode dedicated to this, too. By this point, I don't think it's that uh, difficult of a, of a thing to do. <laughs> In trying to find the Dragon Balls, and every character gets a moment of shine. Uh, Videl, 18, does Roshi, Yamcha, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, talk me through your feelings on that, Jesse. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I can't say I disliked this episode, or any of the characters' portrayals here. It was just, it was so out of place, and it, it takes you away from what you want to see and what you're invested in. Mm-hmm. And I, I get why it's here to kind of show what the other characters are up to, but yeah, it's something that shouldn't be that hard to do. It shouldn't. It it almost diminishes these characters, and it takes them this long and this hard to to get the Dragon Balls. Because as everybody says later on, like uh, Bulma can get the Dragon Balls, no problem. It's like, well, obviously yeah. it was a problem because they have a problem with Puff the Magic Dragon's older orange brother. Like, come on. <laughs> that's a, that's the weird thing about it. Like, like they find the Dragon Balls like in no time flat. And, like, I've said this before, the whole series of Dragon Ball was about them fighting the Dragon Balls until it wasn't. You know, the Freezer, yeah. the, the Freezer arc was them fighting the Dragon Balls, and that was a big, epic arc. When did they... First of all, are we, is, is it implied that they're fighting each and every Dragon Ball, or do they just hang on to them, you know, for safekeeping at one point? Because in fairness, that has been established before, that, like, you know, Gohan's had had a Dragon Ball and all that kind of stuff, but, like, uh, it's just very odd that, like, oh, we're... we're and now we're getting the Dragon Balls. Wait, what? We have one one Dragon Ball left. Wait, what? Yeah, where did this come from? Out of nowhere. And it's just so... Also, like, you know, I have a personal problem with the fact that, like, you have Android 18, or I should say number 18, Yamcha, and I'll even argue Roshi and Videl. Why are they having... You know, at this point in the series, why are they having trouble with, like, you know, this, this goofy dinosaur? I mean, Yamcha throws, like, an energy blast at him. He should, that's just, like, just, like pierce right through that thing's body. My only thought is maybe they were trying to be gentle and not kill it. I guess, but I don't know. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. This, I mean, this, this, yeah, like you said, that's a bad showing even for Yamcha. I gotta say. There were, I, I like the fact that we, we saw the characters, but some of the things that they were doing I thought was like, I thought it was kind of a waste of time. I mean, you know, we have high chase with Roshi, uh, the, the ship gets kind of crashed, and he's like, oh, no, I'm falling, in fact, I'm falling right into a, a, a number 18's boobs, and, like, you know, and this is me, like, you know, ex- uh, trying to talk my way out of it, while my, my, while my mustache is still in the cleavage, and, oh, look what here, what's, what's in my hand? One of her tits, and, like, you text me about this, is, is this all right in front of Marin? Yeah, that that's the only thing that, that, to me, almost crossed the line, like, even from a Japanese perspective, I was like, okay, kind of kind of creepy. You have that, you have um, Yamcha, Yamcha's pants falling down and when he's swimming. Like, oh no, my pants. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe we, uh, I, okay, I, I don't remember seeing this episode ever before. I may have skipped this when it was on Toonami. I don't know why. I don't remember seeing this at all. I have never seen Yamcha's ass before. That, that needs to be the uh, episode opener right there. I might have to. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I enjoy our listenership. Uh, and, you know, and, like, you know, the Roshi fart joke, which, you know, defeated the dinosaur. On the one hand, I'm not a fan of that kind of humor, but on the other hand, that is pure early Dragon Ball. Like, my first, like, ten, ten, the first arc of Dragon Ball. 
Yeah, I just judging what I I know the series. If anybody were, were to have that play out, it would be Yoroshi. It seems like it would be anyway. absolutely. But yeah, it's that's that's even a level of humor that's like that we haven't seen that on the show before. Like not a Dragon Ball Z, no, not a DBZ. Like uh, it, it, again, this is following one of the most dramatic moments in the series. I suppose that the toy animation said maybe they need a breather. Let's see them find Dragon Balls, and that's all well and good. But, like, it, I thought in, in some instances it kind of just went a bit too far, personally. I agree. Yeah, it, it's almost like it was trying too hard. Yeah. Like, it wanted to give people what they want, what they thought they needed, and then, you know, went too far afield, afield with it. I think so. I, I think that, like, it was just, uh, I, I like the fact that, like, Videl was being introduced to the Dragon Balls. That was cool. But, um, I, I liked her scenes with Chi-Chi. That, that was, was interesting. Because you have, yeah, you, you know, you have her kind of being protective of this young lady. I, li- I like that, and I like the fact, like, you know, oh, we get the water, oh, we get the water, and like in the background, you see her like like flipping down. I thought that was cool. I really like that moment. But um, I, I you know, like, like the whole drama of like, you know, oh no, our ship's crashing. Half those people can fly. You know, like like uh, it's just artificial drama that doesn't measure up to what's come before, personally. And like like tonally, tonally for that instance, in terms of the anime itself, it just felt really out of place and really unwelcome. I agree. Which is a shame because I, I like those characters, and I, I don't ever like you know not like seeing those characters. I, I I thought it was kind of an interesting bit where they used the Dragon Balls and the fact that they did on their own figure. Okay, okay, guys, you know what to do. Let's let's wish people back to life with the Dragon Balls. Was kind of cool. But the fact that like a how, how did they do that so fast? And b the scene that the anime princesses was kind of just naff. But you know that's, you know. I think that's about as much as I can kind of whine about that. Do you have any any last thoughts about that? No, I think I think you summed it up pretty much how I feel about it. You know, yeah. It's it's, it's interesting because like yeah, it's it's very very Dragon Ball, but we're at a point in the series now where like you know the tone and style of shows changed to where that's almost unrecognizable. So you know what you do. People of Earth, can you hear me? Testing one two. I am the all seeing, all knowing, all powerful wizard Bobbity. Son of the all-seeing, all-knowing, all-powerful wizard, Bibbidi. Now, now, no peeking. There's no sense searching for me. You're not even close. I'm using my unprecedented magical abilities to transport my words directly to you, the people. I'm so sorry to bother you like this, especially if you're having an otherwise pleasant day. I do know what it's like to be pestered while having fun. You see, earlier today, three nuisances did just that. Now I'm simply looking to return the favor. Hey, really am, Sheena. Did anybody else hear that talking? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I don't know, did you? Now, sit down, relax, and enjoy my show. Please be courteous and remember that silence is golden, okay? What's he up to now? <sighs> I now present the stars of my own personal nightmare. These are the three cretins that I'm looking for. Get a good look at their ugly mugs, for they are the ones to blame for any and all destruction that may come your way. Come out, you cowards! Unless, of course, you're scared of little old me. I've got a preview of what's in store for you if you refuse to show your faces. Oh, but wait. First, please allow me to introduce myself. The handsome devil you now see is none other than me, the great wizard, Bobbidi. And this is my faithful servant, Martin Boo, the heavyweight champion of the universe. He may not seem like much, but he's actually quite unstoppable. Just look at him pumping his fists like that. Now, do you see this city? It looks like a lovely place, doesn't it? 
Well, if citizens are about to get a special sneak preview at the high cost of your cowardice while you look on from your hiding place. Oh, darn you. The following material is of a violent nature and may be considered quite gratuitous. Enjoy. This program has been sponsored by the fellows. Let the fun begin, Martin Boo. What is he doing? No, not the people! Ah, what Boo want for eat? Hmm. Oh, Boo eat too much cake! Oh, yes! Yes! Who wants candy? But a small taste of what will happen if you don't surrender. <laughs> uh, so cut to the tower of uh, Kami's Lookout, where everybody's there except for Bulma's parents, because apparently they want to stay there because they want to feed their pets, I guess. Um, and uh, Krillin's like, man, if only we knew where Tien and Chelsea were, then they could be here with us as well. And Chi-Chi says, you know, oh, yeah, that, that's 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 interesting. Where are my boys? <laughs> And uh, Vidal's like, yeah, where are Vegeta and Trunks? And Piccolo starts yanking his collar. <laughs> well, well uh, you see. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and Goku gets very, very serious. And was like, wait, Goku, what's wrong? And Goku's like, I, I-, I got to tell you this. Trunks and Goten are okay. They're in-, they're in the other room. But go on, Vegeta are dead. They were killed by Majin Buu. And uh, this stops everybody cold. Uh, Gigi faints, as one might imagine, and Bulma has a complete fit, and this is the first time we've ever seen Bulma this just, just torn down, and she just sobs, yells, Vegeta, no, no, and, uh, uh, Videl has a moment all to herself, because she confesses that she loves Gohan, oh, and, um, you know, the, the women aren't having a nice time of it, and, uh, so... This is a pretty uh, sad moment, but Corrin comes out of nowhere and says, you know, what are we going to do about this, car- this uh, creature? And he says, don't worry, we're going to use the boys, and we're going to teach them the fusion technique. Attention, everybody on Earth! This is Bobby speaking. What the hell? So Bobby and Boo have found themselves on top of a big cliff over <laughs> a, seat, a city, and it says, close your eyes and listen to my voice. So essentially, he explains that he's looking for revenge against three members of the World Martial Arts Tournament that attacked him. And he projects the images into their uh, their mind's eye, that being of Piccolo, Trunks, and Son Goten. So he says, if you let me know where they are, then we'll kill you later. But until then, we'll waste this planet until we find them. You know who you are. And just to prove that I'm not bluffing, hey, boo, check out that city. And um, Goku and Piccolo are like, oh, no, what's he going to do? Boo turns every citizen into the nearby city into pieces of candy, sucks them up with his big vacuum of a mouth, and crunches them into his stomach. He curvies them. Yeah, he, 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 he turns them into, this, you know, things from the Kirby games, and, like, uh, you see... Like, 
you see him like you know like like, like crush his teeth as he which is pretty brutal but also kind of funny um, and just gobble the entire city up and uh, for good measure he destroys the city with this, this gigantic like uh, this like like, like fire breathing attack which looks really really powerful but like kind of like really really interesting which is a weird way to phrase it and um, and uh, Bobby says now you know we're not bluffing you have five days before we just kill everyone on this entire planet goodbye. Piccolo is pissed. He's like, "That's it. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let them know where I am." But Goku's like, "No, no, no, no. You know that, as well as I do that you would have no chance against them." At this moment, uh, immediately one of the uh, the attendants at the tournament says, "Oh yeah, these guys were at the tournament," and he uh, calls up Bobby and says, "Listen, their names were Trunks, Son Goten, and Ma Junior." I said, "Oh, okay, okay. Where are they?" Well, I don't know where they are. They didn't, they didn't sign in the, their addresses. <laughs> I don't care what their names are. Get that right. I want to know where they are. You must pay for your insolence. Oh, God. And um, at this point, the tournament attendant's head kind of just pops up to this gigantic, inflatable, uh, kind of like, you know, uh, I'm not sure what it is. Because basically, his head explodes and just pops off his body extremely bloodily. That This was like the most graphic thing I've seen on the show. <laughs> when I told you that like there's gonna be heavy violence in, in this arc, and you said hooray, this is what I was thinking of. This was this was violence. Well, I take that hooray back and go. Uh, and it's, and it's, uh, I will say here, it's quite ironic that Bobby was the one to mentally explode someone's head off their body. Well, like the worst part, not it's not, not even the fact that 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 happens that's bad. It's just the shot of the head like falling over. Falling over and the crevice where it was was like oh, and the guys like 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 like, oh my god, like the guys like looking at him. It's 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 not all that concentrated on, but like holy crap, this 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 is seriously violent. This is a (laughs) there's no editorial interference in this one. Uh, While the image fades away, go on, go. Everyone's uh, eyes open, and um, Boma says, "So those people that killed Vegeta and Gohan, and um." Well, speaking of Gohan, we see him wake up uh, alive and well and completely healed on Kaioshin Kai, where uh, he says, am I dead? Kabito, you're here. Am I dead? He's like, no, no, you're not dead. You're alive, but I don't know why I'm back to life. Uh, now, Supreme Guy, why do we bring him to, our, to this hallowed, sacred, holy sanctuary? Now, listen to me. Gohan's the one to defeat Boo, and the only way he can do it is with the Z-Sword. But What? <laughs> so um, they fly towards where this mysterious sword is, and uh, Kabito gives him some new threads that looks just like his, in in uh, Kaioshin's, the the clothes of the Kai. And um, if you ever heard of Arthur, the Legend of Arthur, King Arthur, it's basically a sword on this gigantic uh, sort of like a uh, mountain top. Yeah, it's like we're gonna. <laughs> you have a sword and a stone. I'm gonna one up you. A sword and a mountain. There you go. <laughs> so um, I call this sword Z Caliber. So, so the Zizoras is called, making the, the letter in this series finally mean something. Uh, it's never been pulled out, not even by the Lord of Lords. No one's been able to pull it out, not even the strongest of the Kais. So uh, Kairos resolves, if anybody can do it, it's a Super Saiyan. So Gohan tries and tries and tries to pull it out, and he hurts his hands trying to, it won't even budge. So he charges up to Super Saiyan 2, and which makes Kairos smile. Kabito's like, that won't change, that won't alter a thing. You'll still not be able to pull it out. He pulls it out. <laughs> Although it, it takes a lot of effort and it kind of destroys the mountain in doing so. Uh, is completely stunned and on the ground, uh, Gohan is normal form. like, this is really heavy. So they resolve that, like, the only way to really fight Boo is to learn yourself, learn how to fight with it and kind of have the sword become an extension of yourself. 
back on Earth, uh, Goten and Trunks have woken up and are informed of, of, of the situation that they're dealing with. And um, they're they're both, as you might imagine, for the little boys crying because uh, their brother and, and father are dead. And Go on, or Goku snaps at them. He's like, "Listen, stop crying. If you want revenge, you got to learn fast. You got that." And um, says, "You two are the only are the only hope for this planet. You need to learn how to do the fusion technique. And I'll teach you and Piccolo how to use it. So once I'm gone, you'll know how to do it." So um, he says, "Now you must do this movement exactly right. Your power level must be the same. And once you're fused, you can only be fused for a half hour. Once that's done, it will, it'll take you a long time to fuse again." Piccolo's like, "Well, that's not that. That doesn't take very much a long long time. But uh, apparently, that should be powerful enough to defeat Boo without no problems." Uh, so Goku says, first, you must turn Super Saiyan. By this point, there are tears of driving. Goten and Trunks are mean mugging Goku something fierce. Listen, you were supposed to be the strongest person in the world, right? Where were you when uh, Gohan and my dad were getting killed? And um, Goku says, um, it was Vegeta's fault? <laughs> You're full of crap! You're supposed to be strong! We're supposed to rely on you! You've done nothing to help us! And uh, Piccolo says, how dare you talk to Goku that way? He says, no, no, don't worry about it. I am I am weak now. I can't beat Majin Buu. You two are the hope of the future. We're relying on you now. Just help me. let me teach you. Uh, attention, everybody. Attention. It's, it's Bobby again. And he's telling them that um, he now knows that the names of, of the uh, people he's looking after. He's on another city. At this point, because Chunks and Goten are awake, they can see what they're doing. So Boo takes another city and turns them to chocolate. Which is, and I love uh, Goten and Trunks' response to this. Oh no, not chocolate! <laughs> and they're totally serious. Um, so Boo takes every person in the city, flows them up, turns them to chocolate, starts nibbling on a few of them before just destroying the entire landscape. Uh, at that point, Trunks and Goten say, Hey, listen! You hear us? This is Trunks and Goten! We're going to find you and kill you real soon! Piccolo's like, no! If you do that, well, you'll find out where we are. Where we are. But they open their eyes, so that kind of like takes them off the uh, the phone line. So Goku's like, all right, boys, I like your spirit. Are you ready to learn fusion? Like, yeah, let's get ready to learn fusion. Let's all get ready to learn fusion. And then the episode ends. <laughs> so Jesse, uh, what you thinking about the uh, remainder of the? Aftermath of the uh, Boo Saga. Fusion, fusion, fusion. Hey, <laughs> uh, it's it's a really great setup. Um, the Z Sword stuff comes out of completely nowhere. I uh, know. You know, I was watching. I was like, well, maybe maybe this is from Dragon. No, no, no. <laughs> this is completely new. I can tell they pulled this out of their ass. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you've learned so much. <laughs> uh, it's, just, it's just the presentation of it and. It's just like, okay, Supreme Kai, just, uh, yeah, there's another idea. Just now, thinking about this, really? Like, oh, okay, I guess you just thought, like, you couldn't have thought of this before everybody else was dead? To me, it's a combination of the fact that, like, it's out of nowhere, and that, like, it's so derivative, and so much of a ripoff of the Arthurian legend, that, like, it's, it's sort of... A, in a completely ineffectual as a term of drama, as a point of drama. Well, yeah, it's not not just like an homage or a trope. It is, you know, yeah, that complete story point, beat for beat. And then their their whole description of how it works isn't very clear so far. Yeah, that would know. <laughs> it allows you to unlock power you didn't have, but they they make them train with it as if it's the weapon itself that's going to help them defeat Boo. Yeah, like, you must slice them in half. Only then will... It, and then it's got some, like, Thor hammer properties in that it's super heavy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. 
maybe maybe the payoff will be cooler than this initial setup is, but this section I was really excited for when the Supreme Kai was was you know going to get Goku. He had a plan, he had an idea. But this payoff really struck me as kind of unoriginal or, or just kind of lousy afterthought like okay uh, I'll do this with Go- Gohan to keep him busy yeah like biding time maybe yeah it sucks <laughs> it's not great I mean like it's it, I like Kaioshin taking Gohan under his wing I enjoy like you know I, I, I like Gohan in the, in the Kaioshin clothes kind of cool um, and the idea of Gohan with his swords, because we've not seen a sword since the days of Future Trunks, so that's kind of neat. That's what I thought. I was like, well, maybe this will tie into Future Trunks' sword somehow? We'll get back to that a long ways down the line, so remember this episode. But, like, not this specific sword, exactly. Um, but, um, the whole thing of it, like, you know, like, the, he lifts the Z-sword. The Z-sword! Not the sword that no one else could lift to. And Gohan's like, you know, I have no idea what this is about. Like, neither do we, the readers slash viewers, so... Any sort of, like, drama or interest is really hampered by, like, like, how abrupt it is and how... And, like, you know, thankfully, this wasn't dragged out several episodes. He pretty much lifts it, you know, after the second trial. Yeah, I was really surprised because I expected this to go, like, four, eight, four episodes. <laughs> it very much could have, but, like, the, we, we were spared. Um, and have you ever watched a movie that went out of its way to say its own title in the film? <laughs> I now know I must become Superman 4 The quest for peace <laughs> That's a good point it's, well, Yeah You know the, uh, Go ahead I, I, Finish what you're going to say it's just, That's what it seems like With this Z-sword It's like Why is it called the Z-sword? Yeah It's just like <laughs> I, I, I don't know It's like I'm surprised it didn't have a sentence of They've just got the Dragon Balls Z sword. <laughs> With the help of the Dragon Ball Z, comma Z sword. Yeah. It's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, okay, and I'm not leaving that in. Like Dragon Ball. Okay, in the in the manga, the entire series is called Dragon Ball. But when they were coming up with the end, when they decided to split the anime and call it, we're going to end the Dragon Ball anime, starting with the Saiyan arc, let's call it Dragon Ball Z. Toriyama or Toriyama suggested, let's call it Dragon Ball Z because I'm going to end it soon, you guys, and he never did. But um, it was his idea to incorporate the Z subtitle in Dragon Ball, calling the most popular part, the most popular iteration of the series Dragon Ball Z. So it's it is there is this does come after it be called Dragon Ball Z, but there's no reason for it. Uh, and, and it also should be said that like, you know we as Americans call it Dragon Ball Z, and, and the, the series is called Dragon Ball Z, but the pronunciation of the letter. Is in a lot of cases like you know the UK and other places Z, so there's a lot of, like you know the Z, in the manga the Viz translation they call it the Zeta Sword, but like it, it is legitimate like the Z Sword like that's, that's the, the title for it, but like there's no real explanation as to why it's called the Z Sword, and you you we can see that like 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 Kaioshin, uh, not only did he pull this out of his ass, but like he has no idea what this thing's supposed to do. So he's like, uh, maybe you train with it. <laughs> and like, this, this is being played straight. Like, this is not being played for comedy. <laughs> so it's like. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's just. Yeah, it is completely, completely straight, and that's what makes it worse. <laughs> you are completely ineffectual here as a leader, as a mentor. Kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that, yeah, like you said, you know, I think a better name for the, like, a more. Uh, informative name of the series would be like Dragon Ball Saiyans, you know, or something. But Dragon Ball Z, it's like you you put this plot point in here just to kind of mesh with the name you chose, Randall, or arbitrarily, you know. It'll be completely arbitrarily. And like, I mean, um, 
I don't mind it being called the Z Sword, but at the same time, it's it, it's involved in this in this stupid plot that like by necessitation, it does end up being like you know, well they mentioned the name of the show in, in the show, so like like just just by relation to it, it 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 it's kind of interesting, but at the same time, it's, it's really dumb. <laughs> Honestly, a lot of a lot of I like the character of Kaioshin, but a lot of the, the subplots, the for the rest of the arc on the planet are kind of dumb. Um, I'll say more about that. But no, I, I, it's 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 not so much that I didn't like it as as like this is this is pretty objectively lousy storytelling. <laughs> so there is that. Um, going back to like the fusion bits, uh, which again we don't see. <laughs> they kind of they kind of pad that out to where like they, they delay it to the, the last moment. <laughs> um, I do like chunks and uh, or just everybody's like reaction to Vegeta and Gohan being said that they're dead. I, I kind of want to talk about that moment where um. <laughs> the wives and girlfriends are told, "Hey, uh, these guys are dead," and they they have that like genuinely emotional reaction. Like, to again, we don't always see. You know, when people die, th- there is a lot of drama in it. But like sometimes it goes too fast. But this is the first time we've seen uh, Bulma in such an emotional state. She's usually like you know uh, a total ass, or you know the, the smart girl. We're kind of seeing her as you know somebody who like legitimately is showing affection for Vegeta of all people. And I, th- I found that very interesting. I did too. I, th- I thought all the reactions rung true in here. Even even Videl's, which is probably the most like stereotypical, because yeah, they're both high schoolers and oh, they they have a budding relationship. But you know, the guy dies. I I don't see it as that far of a stretch that she would profess her love for. Him. No, yeah, I kind of like once once you I imagine like once you realize that like you know you'll never see him again, which I'll get back to. Um, <laughs> like uh, like she she kind of like you know empties out all her all her. Even maybe she didn't even know at that point that she did. Like, yeah, that's what I think. I kind of think. But like, okay, that being said, let's just use the Dragon Balls. <laughs> Gohan has been killed before, and they know this. So like, you know, why are they going? Like, you know, Gohan is dead. This is oh well, we just wish people back to life. The Dragon Balls, you know, Gohan should be okay. Like Vegeta legitimately was brought back to life by the Dragon Balls before, so he's he's you know shit out of luck. He he can't be brought back again. But Gohan has a, you know has a spare life, so. Like, like, that, that should occur. Like, wait a minute. We just use Dragon Balls. That's just like they had a very they had a very casual use of the Dragon Balls. Like, Bulma's parents. Oh yeah, if we die, just bring us back to life. If that's, we die, meet, that's we get a, a horrible end. I'm like, that is the freaking thing that that bothers me because it's like you bring back people out to life, and then you say, okay, we, we'll just be brought back again, and then then they decide to play the drama with more specifically Gohan. Okay, Bulma's mad about Vegeta. But more specifically, Gohan than anybody else. But even though Gohan hasn't died before, and they just use Dragon Balls, and like it feels that like Toriyama legitimately just kind of forgot, even though it's it's right next to each other, and it's like you know naturally, I'm sure this is going to get skewered on DBZ bridged, but um, it's it's wanting your cake and eating it too because on one hand you're diminishing death, but then you're also mourning it, so it's like exactly you can't have one and the other like yeah, it, it, like you're, you're 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 not playing by your own rules at that point. It's like, oh, we'll, we'll just be back. It's okay. And like, and I understand that, like, you know, Gohan is a major character. He affects all these characters. I understand that their reaction to it. But that reaction would be way more earned if they did not just, like, like literally 20 minutes ago use the Dragon Balls <laughs> to bring people who died in that day back to life. <laughs> like, that was specific. It wasn't like, you know, they were looking for the Dragon Balls. It wasn't like, you know, they uh, were about to use Dragon Balls. Like, they like like anything that they would. Be, they should have been like you know. Oh crap! Oh whoa! Sh- 
we, we dodge a bullet there because he should be up next to life now because they think he's dead. But like, it's it's like it's like all of a sudden wishing wishing people back to life is no longer a thing at that in that scene. And like, I like that scene. I do. I really do for the emotions. But like, logically, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what else? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I. I, I I do like that scene, but when you bring that up, it's, it, like, hits you like a brick in the head. Like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> okay. Do you have any, you, anything you want to bring up? I'm looking through uh, the, the book here. Uh, I, I can't think of anything that we haven't touched on already, really. What do you think about the mass genocide that Boo's uh, placing here with, like, a whole turning people to food and eating, destroying the planet? Um, I told you, Bobby, he's a dick. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he he literally twirls his mustache flesh. It's a little, yeah, like his like, big little mouth whisker and kind of thing. <laughs> I was like, it's like, okay, so as ridiculous as being alive is, it seems justified by these actions. Like he still has, he still is a threat, directing Boo to do these actions. He's he's a, he's the brain to Boo's pinky. Exactly. Yeah, which I suppose that does serve a purpose and it gets things moving and it makes him a bit more diabolical. Um, one thing I mentioned that like he projects the images of Piccolo, Chunks, and Goten. He projects the images of Go- Chunks and Goten in their normal state, even though he he only saw them in Super Saiyan mode. So, ah, whoops, I noticed that today. Um, I hope someone got fired for that. But anyway, um, and I guess we already kind of, already kind of go go back to like the violence, but like yeah, like, like you know, I don't know their addresses. He kind of blows the guy's head up. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, that that juxtaposition with Boo's relatively. Inoculous way of killing people, turning them to candy and eating them. Like, there's no blood for that. And then you got Bobby, yeah, blowing people's heads up, and then yeah, showing for a split second, showing you know the the head crevice. It's like, oh, that's the thing. I, I, I did want to mention, um, like the tone of this is is all these episodes is really all over the place because you have legitimate drama in the aftermath of Vegeta's uh, explosion, Kaioshin trying to get to Gohan, Goku waking up, Piccolo and Krillin. Which is immediately followed by, like, you know, hijinks with Master Roshi and Yamcha's ass. Then you have, you know, the, 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 the family and friends reacting to Gohan and Vegeta's death. And then you have, like, you know, Boo killing people in a, in a legitimately cartoonish way. Which, you know, it's not... It, it, you just can't help but, like, you know, kind of laugh at it because it is so weird. And then you have Bobby Bull guy's head off. I feel that, like, th- this, this kind of stuff is endemic to, like, you know, the, the haphazard way that Boo Saga really is, because there's these ideas that, like, totally are kind of, like, you know, up and down and up and down. And then later on, the ideas are thrown so rapid fire, like the fusion technique and the Z-sword, that it feels, it feels kind of like, 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 uh, all over the place, really. Directionless? Well, yeah, it, it, Toriyama is nothing if not direct. Well, yeah, no, or toneless. I'll, I'll even say that, like, um, well, I mean, kind of go back to, I want to say, Toriyama's not necessarily, even though he writes these things, you know, by the seat of his pants, and he doesn't always plan for things, he always admits, this one, it, it feels as though that, like, there's not uh, an understanding of what he wants to do on his because he's, he's going back to his comedic roots with Boo, but he has these, like, these character dramas, which he's not used to writing anyway. I mean, I'm not sure if it, if it strikes me as odd at the moment, but, like, when, it, when you look back at it, like, you know, page after page after page, it does kind of like you know slowly creep in how strange to me it is. What, what what are you thinking about that? Coming off of what we, we we've seen before with the show, it does it it just seems kind of I don't know yeah directionless, toneless yeah just like all over the place. I don't know I don't know if their heart wasn't in it or if they they were kind of longing to go back 
backpedaling, you know, went went one way with the story and decided they wanted to go another halfway through. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, like, or maybe they're trying to give fan service to the Dragon Ball characters and just went overboard with it. Possibly. I'm not sure if that's the case, but, like, I, I, I like, I, the, I think the inclusion is very natural. It doesn't feel forced that they're in here. But in terms of the tone, um, again, like, you know, Toriyama has an editor, which doesn't do what he wants. He's, <laughs> I can imagine after, after all the drama and action of the Frieza's Android and Summers, he would want to lighten things up a bit. But it's an interesting juxtaposition to have this very, like, like you, it's, a, it's I mean, I don't have a problem with Boo as a character being kind of so lighthearted and laissez-faire, yet still so powerful. Because I thought he was actually very dangerous when he was fighting Vegeta. But it's hard to say, oh no, Boo's doing this, like, you know, oh, you know, this population, this amount of the, the Earth is uh, is dead, when they're being, like, done in such a, like, a, like a goofy way. <laughs> it, it, it's, 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 it, above all else, it's strange, I think. Definitely, I think that explains it to it. <laughs> so odd. It's like, it's like, when we first saw him, like, take his skin off and, like, you know, throw it around, he's like, what the hell? And it's like, at this point, it's like, wait, what is that that I'm watching again? <laughs> Um, I'm not. I'm not. Well, I will say I'm not going to say I dislike Boo in this. I think like 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 the, the tone of the series and it being kind of up and down. I think I wish I wish it were a bit more straight. And I kind of have a problem with how it, that ends up. We can get behind that. What do you think about uh, Chongs and Goten once they wake up? Like their attitude towards Goku and, and Goku's attitude towards them being kind of like rough. What do you think about all that? Goku's shown inklings of this before, of you know, kind of being stern and, and getting to the point when things need to be. So I think it's in character for both of the children to have a very real response and then to kind of become both of their father's sons in that, you know, they, they kind of take what take the stance they need to against this threat, even though that's a, that's a lot you're asking of someone that age. Oh, yeah. But, you know, Goku, Goku whips them into shape, and they are all business by that point. And I, I like that they are all business, but they still expect answers out of them. Yeah, um... It's interesting because, like, uh, if this original Funimation, I mean, this is obviously out of, out of the book and all that stuff, but, like, I'm not really used to seeing Goku be this rough with, with his friends and, you know, kids in general. That's, that aspect of, of himself, not with kids, but, like, that aspect of, you know, the harsher Goku, I think, is the one, th- the one major thing I take away from Dragon Ball Kai. Because Sean Shimmel plays Goku with, with a bit of an edge that I was not used to at all initially with this, with this original Funimation dub. But you have here, the story calls for it, where he yells at Chunks and Goten, stop crying about your dead family members, which which is really, like, I don't want to say it's out of character because the, the situation calls for it, but, like, it's really against character for the character to act like, that way. But you, you buy it because, like, you know, Goku isn't, Goku's not an idiot. Like, you know, he, he understands what's going on. He understands that it's more of a Piccolo thing to do with anything else. Like, Piccolo, I agree. Piccolo would do that, but, like, that's kind of a... It's, it's, it's startling to see Goku do that. But I do like Chunks and Goten's, um, like, you know, why, why, why weren't you there for Vegeta and Gohan? Because I like the fact that, like, you know, Goku's legacy, which kind of, you know, gives him so much past, all, every other character nearly. These guys have no idea who he is, and they, they kind of, you know, like, like you know, we're, you're supposed to be so, so much stronger. But they're basically saying, like, you know, they don't value him nearly as much as <laughs> which which is kind of fun, essentially. So, Bulma, what did you do with your parents? They couldn't bring themselves to leave their stupid pets. They said even if they meet their horrible, gruesome end at the hands of Majin Buu, I can bring them back with the Dragon Balls. Logic must be genetic. You really think so? It's too dangerous down there. If I only knew where Tian and Chaozu were, I'd tell them to come up here. 
That's very interesting. Now, where'd you say Goten and Gohan are? <laughs> and what about my trunks? And Vegeta? <laughs> isn't easy for me to say right now, but... Goten and Trunks are going to be alright, but Gohan and Vegeta are dead. Majin Buu destroyed them both. But Gohan, he can't be... He just can't! No, Gigi! Vegeta! It's like with a Majin Buu ra like raiding an ice cream store. Mm. Uh, oh, the, the wacky hijinks of Bobbity, like you know, being accosted by the, the the cashiers who work there. Whoa! And uh, and then like you know, when Popo sees uh, Goten and Trunks raiding their kitchen. Any thoughts on those? Uh, yeah. When it felt like a, a caper movie for a while there. You got Bobbity and who? <laughs> oh, no, I'm hunt for a big score. <laughs> yeah, a big score. <laughs> Dirty Harry. Yeah, but for some reason, like, Dirty Harry is there shooting a boob for, like, a split second. Yeah. That's another screen capture I got. I was like, oh, I gotta save that one. <laughs> that, yeah, and, and Popo's misadventures <laughs> with, with the children. I was like, do we really need to see them, like, see Popo gather the children? Like, yeah. I get it, but... And then, like, at one point, they turn Super Saiyan just to piss him off, and, like, Trunks or Goten, they're throwing punches at him, and he's, like, blocking them. Yeah, he's blocking every single hit, like, uh, okay, Popo's a badass, like, what, what? I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> now you know this is fair, because, like, that, 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 I'm pointing my finger at the screen, that can't happen, and then this, this show tells me to shut up, I'm like, how did you talk? But, um, uh, that, that happened, that was, that was a thing. That's <laughs> all I can really say about it. Um... So, do we have anything else on these batches of episodes? Okay, overall, because we had a lot of discussion about them, I think. Overall, uh, in terms of, of like a thumbs up, thumbs down type of mentality, what were you thinking about this this turn of events in the Buddhist Because this is at the point where I think things for me, I remember starting to turn. But what are you what are you taking away from it? 
Uh, I'll still give it a thum- thumbs up. I mean, mainly because the strength of the first section we covered, I, I enjoyed mostly. Uh, this section does have some oddities, but it doesn't it doesn't diminish my excitement for where the story could go. Mm-hmm. Like it still has possibilities. I'm not dreading it. I, it hasn't became like irreprehensible. That being said, you know it is showing some cracks and just some ideas. You know, some stuff that needs to go. What you know? What, what's that? Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> and yeah, so I hope there's less of that. I don't think there will be. But so yeah, it, it's just some comp- lack of direction, and it just seems like they're all over the place. And I hope it co- it goes back to being a, more of a coherent, a coherent idea and tone for the the story they're trying to tell. Yeah, it's interesting because like like up to this point, it was so focused with you know. Even though the whole Boo thing was kind of split in half with Majin Vegeta, you still you still got the sense that like the show was the series wasn't directionless. It was all towards a point, and it all followed accordingly. But now, like you know, it's branched off in different different directions, and some aspects of it are better than others. Uh, which I, I, I think up to this point is still working, but uh, we'll see how long. <laughs> so for August, uh, it's going to be a big one. Uh, we will go over episodes of the original episodes of Dragon Ball Z, uh, episodes 245, 246, 247, and 248. Not nearly as much as this episode, although there's going to be a big thing in, in August. Um, I shall uh, read off uh, the chapter manga chapters. Actually, I don't, I don't really remember, but uh, I'll just... Uh, yeah, uh, I'll say no more. I'll probably put them on the lips and page. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Hey, so Jenny, just Jenny, yeah, Jesse, Jesse. Any final thoughts? As I always say, for the month of July. Uh, yes, Donna. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I'm going to go completely serious with this one. Uh, email us, guys. Yes. I, I like you know this late in the show, this late in the game. I like I like hearing that we got new emails from old listeners. Mm-hmm. That's encouraging. And yeah, if if even if you don't think you have something worthwhile to say. Say it anyway, because half the time I don't think my opinions are all that great, but Donovan tells me otherwise. So, you know, feel free just to drop us a line and say, great show, keep up the good work. It's encouraging to both of us, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you love GBZ and you love our discussions or you just enjoy our discussions, you know, it's, it's always fun to hear your email brought up and discussed and turned into a discussion. So feel free to email us at dbznextmission at hotmail.com. Um, I'll also plug in, like, like VTO, July 12th, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, calling for the killing joke. And please visit, uh, CBF Review, R-E-V-U-E dot dot com for the comic film review. Thank you very much for listening. We will catch you guys back next month, uh, the continuing of the Boo Saga. Until then, bye-bye. Toodles. Before we close out for this month's episode, I'd just like to say and give my biggest congratulations and plaudits to Jesse. He's getting married! Awesome. Uh, he uh, texted me like right after we recorded, about an hour after we recorded, uh, with an image of his lovely fiance April's ring, saying, I pulled a Krillin! That was quite awesome. So congratulations very much to Jesse and April on their engagement. Woo! Anyway, thank you for listening to the Next Dimension, a Dragon Ball Z podcast. You can find the show and leave feedback at dbznextdimension.blissom.com or write in for emails at dbznextdimension at hotmail.com. If you like what you're doing, please leave this feedback at iTunes or like us on Facebook. 
Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, and Dragon Ball Kai are all owned by Toy Animation, Fuji TV, Funimation, and Akira Toriyama. As always, Dragon Ball is created by Akira Toriyama. Next time, guys, I'll just say this. Super Saiyan. Is a problem. Uh, I'm not wearing any. <laughs> yeah, right. I bet you're just chickening out. Hmm. What about you? <laughs> yeah, I definitely go if I didn't have this cold. <laughs> the men are scared. Well, I'm not, but I don't feel like getting wet right now, so no. At least you were honest about it, unlike certain others I know. Chi-Chi, help out it! Hmm. All right, you cowards, I'll do it! Gotta admit, that girl is brave. <laughs>